1: Everyone and welcome to Canadians with Disabilities and their Allies. My name is Brent Frain. I'm the host, and today I'm pleased to uh, welcome Brent Frain as my guest. Me, myself, and I. <laughs> oh, this is great. Uh, always, uh, always a pleasure having myself joined myself having show. myself on my show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just had to say that. I mean, it's always great having my own self join my own show. Um, I'm, ha-
2: yeah. I'm having a celebratory milky have you ever ever had these no had I these? they're oh. really cool it's uh it's from korea oh wow. i'm a big i'm a big fan of korean stuff like i, I like i've always said well maybe i haven't always said it but uh i i, I love i love korean K dramas and korean movies and i love korean there's korean ice cream oh and wow. korean, I- korean drinks like this what it is is it's uh it sounds gross but it's it's carbonated carbonated yogurt drink and it sounds disgusting right oh, but it, it but it's so good like it's it's kind of like a it's kind of like a um cream soda
1: Oh, nice! But like nice. when I fir-
2: when I first saw it, I go carbon carbonated yogurt drink. That's disgusting, and I and I, right. I, I kind of I kind of re- refused to buy it. But I thought, well, it's it's from Korea, so it's got to be it's got to be good. So I'll just try it. And It's like sure. really really good. It's not my my new addiction now. Milky, <laughs> yeah.
1: it's awesome. Yeah. I got I got the I got the Java right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, um. Well, welcome to myself and me, myself and I, all the same great, uh, great person. Uh, well, at least I try to be great, um, great to myself and just appreciating myself of who I am. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where, yeah, you know, not self congratulating myself, but just recognizing myself just for for who I am. And um, people take me for who I am. Uh, I've come a long way from when I was a child, like a little infant. Uh, to where I am now, um, learning from others, uh, Neil, uh, and everybody listening. Uh, I, you know, self-advocating, um, I learn from others, I bring people on the show and talk about lived experience. Uh, and that's a passion for me. Uh, it's a passion uh, learning from others, learning, learning about uh, self-teaching myself about uh, things that I really take keen and in, um, in advocating for to make change to try to make things better for people and for myself, uh, along the way, uh, you know, there's been stumbling blocks of learning curves for sure. Like we all have, um, we all have gone through, I, I mean, we've gone through epidemic, uh, you know, and I've gone through, um, situations in my life when I was a little toddler learning to cope. Um, and that's where I'm going to begin, um, learning to cope with my disability. I didn't realize when I was born, so this is where I'm going to begin here. So when I uh, when I was born, I was born completely blind. Um, all I could see was shadows, apparently, and uh, my mother, who brought me up, and basically she was in the hospital at the time. And this is what i learned growing up um which i'm so grateful and god rest my mom's soul uh as i said yesterday in uh, in the podcast where i i left off and it was a little teaser where i, I left off the little, little mm. hints of what i was gonna be talking about today uh so people just have a better idea of uh, my origin so uh, this is uh, where it begins is that my origin is that my mother brought me up because she was in hospital um having um uh, surgery. And she wasn't able to have children. But she wanted to have children. She really wanted to have children. But unfortunately, she was not able to. So she uh, was in the hospital and there was uh, other beds in, in the same rooms. And there was another lady that was in the, in the hospital. And uh, she was having a baby. Yeah, the other lady that was in the room, and my mom got talking with with the other lady and they became uh, that the lady that was in there is actually my aunt. that's mm-hmm. right. So the lady that was in there is actually my my biological aunt uh, who gave birth to my my cousin so because by law my mom has she had um, had got uh, my aunt's uh, a baby so because she gave uh, she gave the uh, um, her, um, her child up to my mom. And so uh you know that was a year and a half later I was then born by my aunt's my aunt's sister who so now basically my biological mother I got to know as I grew up later I got to know who she was and you know like I I kept seeing a lady that would come by every so often and I knew who my aunt my grandma was and she'd come by mm-hmm. and I'd see my aunt and there was another lady came by and, and my my grandpa came by and and this lady's like, oh, hello. And or, or she phoned up first, right? you know, and she says, uh, you know, um, hi, Brent, you know, how are you? And I'm like, fine. How are you? And I think she was my aunt, right? Or and I'm like, you know, so she was so inquisitive of who I was and like how I'm doing. And I said, fine. She says, can I, can I speak to your, uh, can I speak to your mother? But the tone of the voice was, it, it was kind of like a hesitation. And I never mm-hmm. like, I kind of picked up on something there. Like, can I speak to your mother? Meanwhile, I didn't realize that she was my biological mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That must have been so hard for her. Yeah. Like talking to me, that and then saying, "Oh, can I speak to your mother." I go, "Yeah, one moment, please." And I'd be so professional, you know. Even when I was a kid, I still remember, <laughs> but "One moment, please." I, I'll please, mom. please
2: hold the line, and then you have hold music. I did. I did.
1: I actually <laughs> said, that. "I remember that too." You know, I said, "Yeah, please, please hold the line. I'll, I'll go and get my mom." I said, "There, the this uh, ladies on the phone. I she phones up here quite often." Oh yeah, I know. She's um yeah, she's, she's a great person. And uh, they're going to come by and visit you one day soon. I'm Like, Oh, grandma, grandpa are going to come and Yeah. And your aunts. And my mom so much wanted to tell me at that point that, mm-hmm. she, that she wasn't my aunt. She was actually my biological mother. So she came, uh, so they came by and uh, you know, I, there was something that I picked up on that. It was just like a resemblance, like a somewhat mm-hmm. resemblance. And, yeah, and so I, as it, as I became older, I then become to realize that there was something not quite right here. Like my mom sat mm-hmm. down with me and said, "Okay, I need to tell you something." Like so, I, I found out that she was my biological mother. Um, mm. But so anyway, getting back to the beginning, uh, when I was born, I, I was born uh, well blind, well almost like almost blind, blind. Like it was, uh, I couldn't. All I see was shadows doctors were really worried because like what's going on like I wasn't responding how I was supposed to respond um I wasn't picking up on signals um all you know they would wave their hand and I wouldn't respond and um I guess my balance was off too like my Mm -hmm. balance was completely Mm -hmm. off Mm -hmm. so they had to like kind of put me through like rehabilitation on learning how to walk uh, I don't remember a lot about that. Um, I do like, va- like vaguely like little flashes of, of, uh, in the hospital of, um, like a little Walker kind of learning how to kind of stay stable. And it was because my vision was completely off. Like, and so, I, like as I grew up as a toddler, I would, uh, I would walk into walls. Like I would see two doors and I thought there was mm-hmm. like, it was like double vision. And mm-hmm. so I, I, like I didn't realize what was going on there.
2: If and there so was a if there was a third door, you would think the you're on do- the, If you, you would think you're on, let's make a deal. <laughs>
1: let's make a deal. let Which door do you
2: want?
1: <laughs> yeah, what's behind door number one, Brent? Boom, and I hit the wall. Pink unicorn. Yeah, pink unicorn. <laughs> there, there. Door number two and door number three. Take your pick. Oh, well, you won on door number one, and I I literally won. All right, I did a face plant right against the you know. And I remember that falling down and yeah, um, my mom, my mom would be watching TV and she didn't realize what the big thud was. And, you know, and she was everything going okay in there. I go, yeah. And like, I was so embarrassed. I didn't want to say anything. I'm, I'm yeah. fine. I just hit the wall. And then I did it again. And she's like, she come in she's like, Oh, and I was crying and she couldn't mm-hmm. figure out. Well, what, what are you doing? And I, I was getting the door and I, I my hand must've missed. And she goes, yeah, but there is like a mark on the
2: wall and I'm- but that makes sense that actually makes sense that you wouldn't know you wouldn't know anything different because yeah. uh that to you was normal so you 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 were probably thinking well you know this um like what I'm seeing is reality so uh you, you didn't yeah. you didn't think anything different until somebody told you no what you're seeing is you should be seeing better than this. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause you're, cause your only measure of, of what it should be was what you were seeing at that moment, not what somebody else is telling you what you should see.
1: Yeah. And it, there was, that was the, the depth perception. And what I thought was, was there was, was the door. And I, I guess, and I was confused because I, I, I wanted to get out and I was, I was almost, I was panicking because I was trying to, get out because I wanted to get a glass of water and I remember that and my mom's like well is that all you wanted was a glass of water and and yeah and so she brought me a glass of water and I said no I can I can get it myself I just I, I just must have stumbled and my mom kept an eye on that I guess so she told me years later she kept an eye on that because I kept doing that like repeating mm-hmm. the same thing rinse repeat do it again Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I still vaguely remember her on the phone and she was quite concerned. She phoned like the doctor's office and, um, and then they, she phoned and they referred me to specialists. And as time went on, I, I went in and um, I mean, I still remember going to Vancouver, my mom took me my mom didn't drive. So uh, my mom uh, had to take me on the bus all the way into Vancouver. And I had to go to an eye specialist. On Broadway, actually. I still remember this big, tall building on Broadway. It wasn't far Mm -hmm. from VGH. actually. And the building is still there, even to this date. And it was a professional building. And going up to see an eye doctor, and he was a a top specialist in Canada. Like, my my family doctor referred me to the top specialist in Canada Mm -hmm. who studies my eye condition. Uh, I mean, you know, God rest his soul now. I mean, he's, you know, passed now, but... Mm -hmm. um, He wanted the best specialist that he could find, his colleagues. And so they arranged for that. And uh, he was told, uh, he told my mom that it was a very delicate operation. Uh, It was a 50-50 chance that either I'm going to continue the same pathway that I was going with vision-wise, or it was going to not fix my eye condition, but it was going to stabilize it enough where I was actually going to be able to see. Mm -hmm. but leave it with an eye condition it was a 50 50 chance of of out of a scale of one to ten, ten meaning the worst one meaning the best or Mm -hmm. or five Mm
0: -hmm.
1: mine stayed at a five but Mm -hmm. with it it was that it was going to give me my vision but the condition won't either get worse or better Mm -hmm. and it was a uh my mom had to make that ultimate decision obviously um you know and that was put into her decision making on based on looking at what's best for myself. Uh I kind of remember her saying, what do you think, Brent? And I I was sitting in the office. I still remember the the uh the doctor and I remember the child because I was um I was um seven years old. I had just turned eight. I had just turned eight. It was just after my birthday which is two months away actually as of yesterday two months away it'll be my birthday. Uh, and yesterday was, it would have been my mom's uh, birthday she would have been 98 years old today, uh, yesterday, Neil wow. and everybody yeah. listening, yeah. yeah. So I, I think about her a lot, um, you know, but I'll, I'll get into that later in the story here, but so getting back to that, I do I still remember that uh, the doctor asked me, what, what, what do you, what do you think, Brent, what are you going, what's, what are you thinking in your mind? And I, I said, I, I just, I just want to not walk into walls. Okay. Okay. So that's, a, that's uh, a
2: pretty low ask, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And so I guess, <laughs> and I remember crying at the time and they says it's okay. I mean, um, I didn't realize that they had already made a decision that was best on for me. And I guess he just wanted to see where I was at. Uh, so I went in and all I remember is waking up. Like, I guess, uh, they, you know, they put me under and I remember waking up in the hospital and it had this big bowl, bowl right around me. And I was, I guess my mom was told that, yeah, when he wakes up, he's, he's, I'm I'm actually going to, you know, project, shall we say so. (laughs) And and I I did, like, I was very sick for a while. Like it was, uh, and it's apparently very common to go through that because your whole system, it's getting thrown completely for like a,
2: it's doing a master reset.
1: Yeah. It's it's just going like through a dryer mode, right? It's going, (laughs) and, uh, um. I remember uh, waking up and I remember seeing a a finger going across back and forth to me. Mm -hmm. Hi. And I'm like, and I'm looking and I, I was, I had tears
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and, but I didn't cry. I had, I remember they had tears and doctors wiping something on my face. And and he says, how many can you see? And I go, hi. He goes, hi. He goes, how many, can you see any fingers? And he didn't hold up how many fingers yet. And I'm like, I can, yeah, I can see. Yeah. So anyway, as time went on, um, I would still be stumbling here and there because mm-hmm. my balance was still off. I had to, they had to train how to, how to uh, kind of, um, you know, walk a, a little bit and keep my balance. Mm-hmm. And so I learned how to, you know, on the tricycle Learn you know, I, as little children did, you know, a little tricycle, learn how to ride a bike. And I took a couple of tumbles here and there, mm-hmm. you know, poof, down I went. Um, but I got up, I got up and I was determined that I was going to ride the bike. I was determined. I, in my mind, I said, no, I'm going to do this. So my mom took the tires off and two, just two wheels and and I rode and I was so happy because I was independent. I I was like, yay, I can actually do this. I, for myself, I could ride a bike and, um, I wanted to be like the other children in the, uh, you know, the neighborhood. Um, and you know, as the children in my neighborhood were so supportive. Um, because they knew what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, didn't get treated differently. I, I really didn't. I was I was included with all my pupils in there, except for when I was in school, some of the children would pick on me because I'd be wearing glasses and my glasses were so thick. Mm-hmm. And they'd say, oh, there's four eyes. There's four eyes. And you know, it, I,
2: it's interesting though, uh, what you're yeah. saying about, uh, you're, you're saying that your body has to kind of master reset and you have to get used to walking and stuff. I mean, that actually makes perfect sense to me because um if you think about it, like in, like in my case, like if like my legs don't work uh well at all, like I, I've had uh, crutches predominantly my whole life and, and now I'm basically in a wheelchair, but, um but you know, if my, if my legs could be magically healed overnight, say, and I could suddenly, like, they were just completely healed, and but if somebody had told me, just okay, they're healed, go walk, like, I don't think I like it would take some time, right? You couldn't, you couldn't just go up and, you couldn't just say walk now because I've I've never actually walked without yeah. crutches, so it would take some reprogramming of. Mm-hmm of me and my body to say okay this is how you do it right like if you've never if you've never seen like in your case if your eyes have never seen a certain way yeah or if my legs have never walked a certain way like you you could understand that your whole body needs to recalibrate itself and do a master reset and totally do a recalibration and if you don't do that like yeah if i tried to if i tried to walk even with perfectly functioning legs i would fall on my ass or fall on my face like yeah for for the first dozens of times right because your legs are even even though they if they would be perfectly healed they would there would still be that adjustment period of like here's your perfectly functioning legs but you need time to ramp up and get used to them. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, when I, and someone when, like, when I was exactly, you know, like I totally agree with you on that. And it's so important for people to, to listen to, uh, you know, lived experience because everybody's situation is different than anybody else's. I mean, there might be some similarities or there might be people that are the same, right. But it, that's, what's interesting with life is is finding so many people that, that are have the same, uh, you know, same disabilities or they be something a little bit different and we learn from each other on different things and um when i that's what i learned when i was going through school through elementary school um like some of the pupils they were very supportive very understanding they but they never treated me differently i mean i had a couple a uh, couple little punks i called now but you know and you know they like oh hey, four eyes but then one of my teachers said you know what I guess overheard it. And then the person was, you know, reprimanded for, for, you know, calling names and kids always call names back and forth. And, and I, I got really upset because I just like, I don't want to be treated differently. I just wanted to be accepted for who I am. Mm-hmm. And one of my teachers, I still remember saying to me, isn't four, isn't having four eyes better than having no eyes. And I like, mm-hmm. right. And I, and it really sunk in like, you know, I've saying like, you're able to see because you've got glasses that are actually helping you as a tool, mm-hmm. as a tool for who you are, as, as a, an extension of who you are. And and I thought, wow, like that. And it always stuck in my mind as mm-hmm. an extension. I did have one teacher, though, that did say, uh, and I felt so uncomfortable. I remember going to the vice principal's office, and then I went to the principal because the teacher said to me at one time, uh, I was in grade. Oh, I was in grade uh, two. I was just going into, well, grade three, three and four. I had the same teacher, which was pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she was so like, wonderful, wonderful. But anyway, grade two, um, one of my teachers was actually had to take a leave of absence. It was literally a teacher who had taken over and said to me one time, had overheard uh, some kids picking on me and said, Brent, what what would it be like uh, not to have a visual impairment? And I said, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm just me. Yeah, but I mean, if, you know, if they could have just cured it, I mean, you could just do everything, right? I said, they can't cure my eye condition. It's, mm-hmm. it's what it is. I just know me as me. Mm-hmm. She says, oh, well, you know, if you really put your mind to it, you can do anything. I said, well, even though my mind and my vision are two separate things, mm-hmm. I can only do what I can do. And I felt really upset, like, because it was like, I felt like I was being judged. I was Mm -hmm. being, uh, you know, singled out. And so they said, well, maybe we need to put you in another room so we can have a teacher's aid uh, help you because Mm -hmm. uh, other pupils are feeling uncomfortable with you in the class because now I'm having to take more time out of helping you rather than teaching. That's what my job is. And I remembered that I was like, oh, so I went to the principal's office and she got in trouble. She really got in trouble um mm-hmm. well, that's for, good that's you know, good. for talking that way and and mm-hmm. i you know and as i went through elementary and then uh you know going through high school i learned to accept who i am and stand up for what my beliefs are i had some amazing teachers neil and everyone mm-hmm. listening uh and i
2: did i talk. did too i did i did too and that really helps I, a lot
1: i i mm-hmm. actually had a teacher who taught me to how to touch type and put mm-hmm. a book over my hand so i couldn't see the keyboards and actually mm-hmm. taught me to type because I was able to type faster than I was able to write uh, because a hand, hand and eye coordination, my hand and eye coordination just were not fast enough because mm-hmm. of concentration wise of reading, reading and writing, looking at, um, they used to have the, the overhead projectors. Remember those things? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was not able to see them. I was mm-hmm. not able to see the small print on the overhead projectors. So they used to blow up the print for me to make it larger. So I could read uh, read that rather than looking at the overhead so I could keep up with the class. Well, I had a teacher's aide who actually used to help me from the uh, CNIB he used to come in uh, and actually um, teach me how to touch type so I could actually type and listen to audio, but then, then listen to it and like a kind of headset, but then type what, what the actual kind of what the instructor or what the teacher is actually saying. So mm-hmm. I was actually ahead of the class. Like I was I was way, way ahead. And they realized, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, this is Brent's learning curve. This is what works good for him. Mm -hmm. So I, after that, I, um, I said to my mom at the time, uh, I said, you know, I want to go to college. I want to, you know, I I want to um, do something different. No, no, no. Like she, she said, no, you, you won't be able to do that because I um, I was talking to one of the teachers in your school and said, they said oh brent won't academic, academically be able to uh succeed i i, I would think my self-esteem went right down. And, and
2: and we should we should pause here because yeah. i i think there's going to be some people that are listening that are maybe younger or just don't know like let's take a little bit of a pause here and sure. and and um just stop to consider uh because you and I are roughly the same age I'm like i'm i'm 55 and you're 50 something 53, right 53. yeah Yeah. so we're we're very close in age and um at the time i was born and the time you were born um it was it was commonly accepted even in the medical community so you had you had very 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 smart doctors mm-hmm. like like you know people will say like mm-hmm even their shit was smart you know okay you know yeah like, pretty much like, yeah. like pe- people that were extremely smart and yet there was this prevailing attitude that uh anybody that was born with a disability no matter what it was was um doomed to fail like it was just like this self-fulfilling prophecy that if if your son or daughter had a had a physical or mental disability like our cognitive disability they were just doomed to fail or um you know i've said i've said this before a few times on the podcast that that a lot of doctors would would equate a physical disability like blindly like your blindness or or my cerebral palsy as a cognitive deficit as well right Mm -hmm. i mean actually the actually the term Cerebral palsy, if you if you translate it into a, another English term rather than cerebral palsy, if you translate it, it actually means brain numb. <laughs> that's that's what cerebral palsy translates to. So that kind of gives you the you know the idea that this is this is a, a term that has been passed on and passed along as like if you have cerebral palsy, your brain is numb. So therefore, yeah. you're going to be like cognitively impaired and different, right? And that's just not the case. But that is, the, that is what the prevailing doctor opinion, medical opinion was. And that got passed down to schools and teachers. And the schools and teachers believed the prevailing medical opinion. Anybody with uh, blindness or anybody with cerebral palsy also has a cognitive dis- uh, defect, or or you know, a, a, um, not a defect, but but a deficit. I should I should say a, yeah. Cog- yeah. a cognitive def- deficit, and that is just blatantly not true, right? And and I know when I was when I was young and starting out in elementary school, like I when I transferred from from uh, GF Strong rehab in in Vancouver and transferred over to you know grade I think it was grade 2 actually I transferred to grade 2 yeah and um, and all the teachers were they just didn't know what to expect and when they when they found out that I was actually smart and I actually knew what I was doing they were like they were like wow this is this is going to be great like we I can actually a- ask Neil a question and he's going to know the answer like wow you know yeah but yeah, I, but I just wanted to stress that point because maybe there's gonna there's gonna be a few people that are listening that are that are not gonna know that are not yeah, we have to kind of rewind the clock back, you know, 50 to 55 years and, and remember absolutely. what remember what the state of the world was back then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you had people like us with physical disabilities that were that were locked away in in uh You know hospitals yes um and and not to see the light of day kind of thing because we were seen as um uh less than that didn't deserve to be out and about and i i remember like as a kid like going and i know this is your show but i just wanted to make this point (laughs) um that I I'd would, I would go be out in in the uh, grocery store or in the mall or whatever, and I wouldn't see anybody like myself, like with crutches or whatever, or anybody. With, and I'm like, where are all the crutches? Where are all the wheelchairs? I didn't see it. I was I when I when I would go out, I was like, I'm the only one. Like I would literally, and I'd be like, where is everybody? And again, that's that, that that's because you have to reset the whole. World view that that time is that everybody that had disabilities, they were yeah. all locked away, all like hidden away in their closets or in their homes. It's like, well, we we, bre- we better not bring we better not bring Brent out. We better not better not bring Neil out because it's going to be a shock to everybody's system to see somebody with crutches or in a wheelchair or 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 you know uh, have a blindness or or a, um, a sight impaired impair thing. You, you, we can't have that. <laughs> you know, exactly. and, but, that, but that was that was the worldview back then, back 55, 55 years ago, that was what it was like, right?
1: Oh, yeah, well, yeah, back then, yeah, exactly. Just, just tuck them away, right? We. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I remember a specialist, uh, you know, I went to a meeting with my mom at the time, and and they, the specialist said, uh, and I, I still, it always stuck in my mind, right? I mean, I was just a little kid, but as they always say, when you're a little kid, there's certain things that you'll pick up on, you always remember certain little things, there's things that I don't always remember everything when I was a toddler, but it was, there was one thing that stood out is um, after I had my operation, um, I do remember one thing that stood out was a specialist said to my mom, Brent will be able to function in today's society. And my mom said, what do you, what do you mean? That like he's, he's able to function in today's society. So he won't need to be um, um, hospitalized. And it always stuck in. And I years later, I asked my mom, what did that mean? And exactly what you just said, Neil. Like, yeah. um, and now like they were going to tuck me away mm-hmm. uh, if I wasn't able to function in today's society. Right. Um, but I remember uh, GF Strong, I do remember that. I remember mm-hmm. going there because they had to teach me how to to walk properly. Mm-hmm. Like, my balance was way off. Like, mm-hmm. um, like they held me back when I was going, uh, through, um, kindergarten. They actually, I had to, they got me to repeat kindergarten because mm-hmm. I just wasn't I I wasn't functioning, um, to the level that, of course, and that was then Well, I didn't have my operation. So they felt that I, I wasn't ready to go into grade one. Mm-hmm. And then I got into grade one Well, then I had a really bad allergy season. Then I had um, a lot of colds. I kept getting colds and colds. Um, and it was my system that was backlashing after I had my operation. I was sicker than sick and getting homework brought home so I had to repeat grade one uh-huh. so I was behind with all my other pupils in, in classes uh and i and I was upset because I wanted to be there um I do you know I wish that I could have been pushed faster forward um no
2: you know you know another really funny thing that's i'll, I'll do really quick is uh you, you remember the you remember the uh, cognitive tests that they remember the b- bubble sheets? Yeah, the, I think it was at the beginning of the, with all these bubble sheets and you you, yeah. you would you would fill them out like with a pen and or a pencil yeah. and and I uh, those. and Sorry. they were always like they were very serious like the 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 teachers took them very very seriously right? Oh yes, and, like I mean it would it would make or break your year as oh, yeah. to like where you slot it in right and. Um, I remember taking these tests and like, you're talking about your vision. Well, I kind of have the same, uh, like not the same vision, yeah, but, yeah. but I have a vision thing where um, it's, it's because of my cerebral palsy as well, where I have one eye that kind of drifts off a little bit, like, yeah. uh, and, and uh, so I don't have, I don't have good depth, depth perception. And I also have difficulty sometimes seeing um, diagonals and things like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so, um, anyway, when I, and it was worse when I was younger, it's gotten better because you kind of, you adjust to your own disability or, you know, yep. but, but when I was younger, I, it was, I would, I would see things in, in reverse a lot too. I couldn't see diagonals and I would see things in reverse yep. a lot. And so when I was doing the, doing the bubble sheets, almost like nine times out of 10, I would miss the first, bubble so I, I would miss the number one and i would go to number two for number one and so everything would be one off right yeah and and so then the teachers would look at these bubble sheets and go, go wow this guy's an idiot or you know they would phone up my mom and say your son's an absolute idiot he's got he's got every every question completely wrong and then my mom would go like i'm pretty sure my son's not an idiot <laughs> Like, like yeah. um, you know, and, and she would she would actually she actually looked at the sheet and say, well, you see how here he's missed. If you go down the sheet he on every single column, he's missed the first the first number on, on every single one. And she yeah. said, go back and and reset, recalibrate everything to one and then mark it and then see what what it is. And. I mean, I don't know. They they did it, and then they realized, oh wow, that he actually got almost everything correct, you know, because they wow. they moved they moved all the answers back one when, when, they, when they realized I was one off, mm-hmm. you know, and so. But that's what I mean, like a very simple little thing where I was one off because of a of a of a sight and you know impairment type of thing where I was not good at mm-hmm. seeing diagonals. And just because of that one stupid thing, they, you know, these teachers could look at these tests and go, wow, your son's an idiot. <laughs> you know, just, just if they just looked at it on face value, it's like, yeah, I'm an idiot. But if you really look at it deeper and realize I was one off because my eye didn't focus properly. And if you recalibrate everything to to the proper one, you know, then it was I was fine. That's wow, so what happened
1: to me, where it would kind of blend in, where the second line would blend in with the first one, like as mm-hmm. um I the coordination of vision-wise, even after I had my operation, like and and I I still have that where like if it's such small print and it's like if there's two lines of bubbles, like I'll, I'll I'll see it now, like I mean, but if I really focus on it, I can see well. But when I was a child, like it mm-hmm. was a lot worse. But as the mind, the mind programs and says makes. Yeah. It, 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 takes, it takes that, a while, right? It takes a yeah, while. It, while for, but it makes you know. your vision think that it's actually, you're, you're, you're okay. You're, you know, and I, you know, and I learned that going forward uh, in time where you try to, your mind tries to compensate uh, for, you know, for your, uh, for the visual impairment. Um, and I, I learned that going through, uh, through high schools and then through college. Uh, and uh, so when I, I said, uh, to some teachers, no, like, uh, yeah, I, I want to go to college, and so I did. Like, I pushed it, and yeah, and then so we went through like, a, a rehabilitation um, a counselor who had said, um, yeah, like it was a uh, vocational, it was a vocational rehabilitation, VRS, uh, a uh, vocational re- rehabilitation. I went, I went
2: through there, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah they, yeah, they,
2: yeah. they they paid for my college and me university too. as well. Me too. Yeah, Fully me too, fully yeah. paid yeah with, me too with a food budget allowance yeah, and an entertainment that. allowance i could i could and,
0: have, oh i got
2: that too it, it was, was great like i could th- i had a movie allowance a food budget yeah. everything and yeah, I like, too. yes this is I, great i, got that too. I oh, love
1: I, got I love those guys there they were yeah, great to had, me had a, you know they gave me a transportation allowance too. oh yeah everything and i, and I gotta check i i gotta check every like every yeah. week they actually distributed uh, just yeah. sort of, oh, i'm going wow
2: no yeah. VRS, VRS was great. I mean my parents could have could have definitely not have afforded it at all. They, yeah. they did not have the budget to send me to college or send me to university. So uh, it was definitely if if VRS wasn't a thing, I wouldn't have gone to college. I wouldn't have gone to university. It was all because of VRS. So
1: yeah, they were God about-
2: bless God bless VRS and, and and places like that for existing at that time. Because yeah. they were they were absolutely wonderful, like they, really, they, really, they, really wonderful.
1: They saved me um, a lot of emotional stress and anxiety um, because my mom, like she says, there's no way I, you know, it's a single mother, uh, bringing my me up and my my brother up, um, yeah, like she couldn't do it. And so um, I went to uh, I was referred to them from the CNIB to go over to talk to VRS. And what was ironic is my CNIB counselor at the CNIB actually uh, moved over to VRS. He was actually working there. So cool. he, he he actually <laughs> told me that I'm actually going to be, he says, I got a new job rent, so uh, I'm going to be working for VRS. I go, what is that? And so he told me, and uh, he says, well, somebody's going to be taking my position at uh, CNIB while well, me and the other person didn't get along to the CNIB. <laughs> And so I, I do you that- do you happen to
2: remember uh, uh, Rose Magnuson there? Remember Rose Rose Magnuson yes, at the DRS? I, I do. I
1: she do. was
2: she was my main she oh, was wow. my main caseworker and and I loved her. I I really did. Like she was very kind oh, of no, by gosh. the books. I remember
1: I remember hearing her name. Um, she was very
2: was, kind of by the book strict, but I I loved I loved her. She was she was great. She was there was great. another guy
1: that was there. Um, his his name was Jeff. I just can't recall his last name, but. Um, yeah, he was, he was wonderful. And, um, so I had, I'd gone through like, my, my course and then there was another course that when I was in the college, he had told me, um, I had gone through, uh, it was an educational, uh, course learning about myself, learning about my, my strengths, my weaknesses. Yes, everybody, yeah, you got to focus on the course taught me about my weaknesses too. You know how hard it is to focus on your weaknesses.
2: It's important though. It's important to it, know what you can is, do. But,
1: but the course they they mm-hmm. force they force the person to focus mm-hmm. on their weaknesses mm-hmm. and your strengths. And what I what I learned was you can turn a negative into a positive with yeah. the course. And yeah. so we had to demonstrate that we had to prove that, and with that, and so it taught me a lot. And it taught me um, a lot about who I was, who I was, who I am, and who I want to be. Uh, back then. Um, so I, I decided that I want to take another course. Well, while I was taking that course, um, VRS had reached out to me and said, um, Okay, so you're taking this course, this is great. Um, we also want to refer you to um, it's a, it's a, a special doctor who, who wants to do an educational assessment on you. Oh, I said, OK. And so because the college felt also, my instructor felt also was in communication with VRS and mm-hmm. felt that um, that I had a, a great aptitude of uh, trying to help people moving forward, doing something a little bit different uh, to helping people, maybe in a different setting, uh, maybe as a counselor uh, or maybe as a talk show host. Uh, or podcast host. You know what <laughs> I mean? Or, uh, yeah. But it was like so many avenues, like because I, I'm a people person, and at that time I didn't know. Like I said, I don't know. Like, and so they put me through an educational assessment test through uh through a doctor, and it was all paid for, same as VRS, like same mm-hmm. thing. They paid mm-hmm. for my transportation. They paid uh for my my food budget, uh breakfast, lunch, dinner. Like these mm-hmm. tests, uh, it was very a uh, very stressful for me, uh, emotionally. Um, because I had to really focus on, they gave me blocks, (laughs) they gave me blocks and had to kind of put together a puzzle Mm -hmm. and got me to read passages at a a university level versus a kindergarten level versus elementary versus high school. Mm -hmm. And it got me to read different passages of where am where am I? And for some reason I was able to read better at a younger, at a, um, high school level, passage than i was at a university and Mm -hmm. vice versa i was able to read better and like so they were kind of corresponding like where is brent at here Mm -hmm. and what it was it was um the problem solving and what it was is that they they felt that uh
2: train a leaves the station at three o'clock going west train b (laughs) Uh, I used to love those word problems. Yeah.
1: Like, and that's no! they, and then, well, that's what they got me to do, is I, I try to connect up the like an itinerary, kind of like how this would go as a puzzle. And, and I was having stumbling blocks on it, trying to figure this stuff out. And he came, the doctor said, you know, Brent, is it's not it's really not hard. But for some reason, um he broke down the the problem-solving stuff. So he worked with me. And what it was is that um, the, the brains wasn't connecting on um, problem solving on different areas and um, just kind of like adapting to like newer information versus older information and kind of doing it as a timeline. And as mm-hmm. I kind of, kind of focused on that, it really helped me a lot. And what it came down to was a conclusion of that Well, Brent's got a learning disability, like what? <clears throat> and he it said, it's, it's been there all along. On top of your vision, wise, but it's like because a part of my disability with vision, wise, it's like the brain tells the vision is based on the condition. It's like interconnected. Mm-hmm. And he says it was never diagnosed that way. You're mm-hmm. perfectly fine. It's just another. I said, oh, you know, what? and like we we joked around. I actually was really upset when it was actually put in front of me, right? So I felt great, like. <laughs> what else like what else is there going to be now like you know and he says it's there's facts and there's fiction the fact is that that's just who you are I like and the doctor says I like who you are he said because you like who you are you accept who you are right and nobody treats you differently you're just you and so I had to go back to the college and I had to tell them that information and you know my instructor said yay you you turned a negative rent into a positive that's that's who you are in the class got to hear um, about that. I had to give a bibliography of who I am. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so the class got to grade it. And they all came by and they all hugged me. They like, wow, you know, that's quite an accomplishment of what you went through with that. And I said, yeah. And so I had to go and I saw my family doctor, you know, after I'd gone to college and, and he says, I always knew that Brent. But he says, I got the report from the other, my other colleague who, and I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I got the report. You didn't know that, did you? And I go, no, no, mm-hmm. I got the report. He says, nothing's changed. That's just mm-hmm. life. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. as we get older, Brent, we become, we get more ailments, we get other more disabilities as we go on. He says, and that's when he says, I, I really think at this time, I really think that you need to apply for, uh, for disability. Mm-hmm. And I, well, and I, I fought him. I fought my doctor and I said, no, he goes, no. Why? The government's going to protect the disabled in British Columbia. That's what that's what the role is. And
2: that's I'm what like, they're
1: supposed to do. <laughs> and, I said, <laughs> and I said, then then why you know why is one of my neighbors um, not able to get the um, was in a, uh, a, a mobility scooter at the time? Um, it was a state of the art at the time. Like it was you know of course older scooters back then, but it was you know it was pretty cool. Was in a um, hockey accident and had severed. His spine from head all the way down, and so yeah, it was sad. And so I got to understand that that from my uh, one of my pupils in my na- neighborhood there, and I um, I said, well, he says, well, I guess we're the same, Brent. You know, you've got your disability, I've got my, I got mine. I have to now have to cope with a new reality. And so I said that to my doctor. He goes, right. You see what happens here is that things can happen to people in life, right? I mean. You're born with the way you are. I know what you're capable of, Brent. I know what you're not capable of. I am your doctor. I've known you since you were an infant, little toddler. You don't remember that, but you were just a little baby. And I've, I've known you all along. And then I said, well, you know, doc, like this is, they, they just diagnosed me now saying I have a, a learning disability. He goes, right. So what? He says, the doc's got problems too. and I'm, And I mm-hmm. didn't realize that. Like, I'm mean, no, you're my doctor. He goes, hey, well, he retired because he actually had a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he was trying to tell me that yeah, doc's got problems, but he actually had retired later on. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. But he actually um he actually had uh, epilepsy. Okay. Like and I didn't know that. Like mm-hmm. my doctor had epilepsy and he had apparently he used to have epileptic seizures. And I thought, Oh my, Like my, uh, the nurse had told me, or, or, you know, the receptionist, but she was a nurse too. She told me that I'm like, Oh, wow. Yeah. So you never know, right. The person may look perfectly fine, but really like there's a lot of invisible disabilities. So I learned a lot uh, of mm-hmm. lived experience of talking to people, Neal. And even my family doctor, he fought for me to get my disability. Uh, and as time went on, Like, so I was, you know, getting back to uh, um, college and stuff is, I was very successful in what I accomplished. Uh, There was a course uh, that I did take um, that I wasn't successful in, but I got a lot of knowledge out of it. um, It's because of comprehension. I wasn't able, and it was so interesting. I wish I could have got through it. They tried and tried and tried to work with me on it, and I just couldn't seem to keep up Mm -hmm. because they wanted me to do a lot of, um, they call it uh, group meetings, group gatherings at the college, and I... I had to commute all the way from Vancouver, all the way to Langley way out in between Langley and Grove. I had mm. to make the bus connections. And if I didn't make it, I'd be stranded. Yeah. So I couldn't put the time into it. Um, they gave me a um, computer software to take home with me. So I got it on my computer uh, Lotus one, two, three. Remember that? Yeah. I
2: remember that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I, I got to actually take it home with me yeah. and I had permission by the college to do that. I wasn't supposed to, but they gave me permission where I logged in, I was actually able to actually do the work at home, but have access into their mainframe. So mm-hmm. it was kind of cool. Like, um, mm-hmm. so I had to really be careful with that information because there yeah. was a lot of stuff we were working on. One
2: of my favorite movies growing up is War Games. Remember that movie with yeah. Matthew Broadwick?
1: But yeah. I took this one. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> I took the course in um, customs, uh, and, uh, customs and Transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a uh, intermodal stuff, and so I, and that was when I talked about on the podcast before about modals of how the transportation structure goes. It was so in, it was I almost passed it, like I was so close. So mm-hmm. I learned all the modes of transportation, and I, and so I find it very intriguing when I we I mean, they talk the industry talks about supply chain stuff mm-hmm. because I could have had a job working at Canada Customs in the port. I like, went cool. cool. Within that, that's what the job was like, or yeah. or at the customs border, like as an agent, I could have been working there. Like that was what. Secret I great
2: agent man, secret agent man. What are
1: you bringing across here? <laughs> me goods, uh-huh. Show me the goods, bud. Show me the goods. I
2: you didn't know, know if you wanted to switch gears a little bit, Brent, and uh talk about your mum for a little bit, or yeah. like I don't know how much time oh, yeah. we have. We're getting a bit close to the hour, so I didn't know if you wanted to. Uh... Oh, we
1: can we can wing it uh, as okay. I always do. I always wing things, and yeah, sure. I will um, focus on that. Uh, um, basically, just to kind of conclude about the college, so people are kind of uh, listening on that one part where. Mm-hmm. So I, I got through it. Uh, I wasn't successful in the program, but I learned a lot, which is awesome. Uh, Self esteem wise, it really it knocked me down a couple pegs at the time because I felt so sad that. And then I was told, sorry, Brent, but you don't pass, like, you know, you're maybe, maybe explore other areas. And so I, I thought, oh, great. Well, what do I do? And so I, I went back to VRS, um, at the time, um, and they're the ones who actually funded that for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So you can imagine what they must've been thinking. Like, uh, great now, mm-hmm. what?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so they, they actually worked with me where I, I took a course in, um, hotel management. Uh, I actually got through it really well. I did really well, but they weren't willing to fund the whole program for me mm-hmm. because it was a private institution and they don't do private institutions. So, and I didn't mm-hmm. know that. They, if it's a public college, public university, no problem, but if it's a private one, it was on me to deal with it. Mm-hmm. They actually did do some of the funding for me, which I was so grateful to them on it. Mm-hmm. So they took some of the credits from the other college and uh, they sent some of the funding um, which the college gave me back some of the funding that I did for my program, which I don't know how they did, but they, so they kind of put that and the other together. And I, so I got through it. I did a career move. Uh, I moved up to Kamloops, up to the Okanagan uh, as a career move. My mom was really upset with me at the time for doing that because she says, well, when am I going to see you again? If you're moving up there, you're never going to come down to see me. I said, of course I'm going to come down to see you because you're my mom, right? I did a career move. Uh, i started working in a restaurant working in a uh and this is kind of leads up to my mom okay. so i
2: good segue uh, then
1: yeah good segue <laughs> exactly i kind of blended oh yeah it's funny Oh, i just blend that right in there right i should have trusted
2: uh, you from the beginning there man oh
1: yeah yeah <laughs> so i you know i moved up and her and i had to catch some cat fights really like it was the point where I said, well, maybe I should just pack my bags and move right now and just be done with it, right? And she just don't say that, and I said, no. I mean, like you know, and I look back and I, I guess there's some choice of words I, I said and I shouldn't have said to her, and I apologized. You know, as um, she came up to see me and uh, and her and I went had lunch and dinner and yeah, like it was great. She stayed with me for like a week. And, um, yeah, like it was great. And I, I, apologized to her. I said, yeah, I know I said words to you. And I said, I didn't mean to just, no, I mean, it was just emotion wise because it was, I was scared. Like, I mean, always been there. And then also I had to move up to the Okanagan, but it was a career opportunity. And I said, I, I can't throw it away. Mm-hmm. So when I moved, I worked in a restaurant. That was the agreement, um, that until the position became available for me in the hotel. So mm-hmm. I, I, I phoned up this one restaurant and he said, well, come on up, uh, come up for an interview. I go, I, I'm in the lower mainland. I'm in Langley. Like, you know, and I, I can't just come up there. I mean, Greyhound, I mean, the exp- the tickets are expensive. I mean, mm-hmm. one way ticket going Greyhound. That's the, the problem with Greyhound why they didn't survive is they overpriced themselves
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the tickets uh, for me, if I could take somebody else with me as an attendant, the attendant would travel for free. I didn't have anybody to take with me. I said, my mom, well, you want to come with me? And then, you know, we, her and I could split the cost. Well, how do I get back? I can't, I, you know, I, I've got responsibilities, Brent, I've, I've got work to do. And so I couldn't take her with me. So mm-hmm. I did a one-way ticket. Mm-hmm. And I said, trying to figure out how to do this to get the money. And, uh, I had just finished college. So I, I didn't have, and I wasn't on disability. Uh, I hadn't got my disability at the time. So like, mm-hmm. I didn't have much money. I had, a uh, job that I was working at. And I had just quit my job because I was going to be moving, right? So I, I had a little bit from my paycheck left and I had to give my mom money for uh, for rent. And my mom charged me 30% of my income for rent. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, no, I need to give you more. She goes, no, it's only fair. 30% of your income goes to your rent rent. That's, that's mm-hmm. how how it works. And that's why that 30% thing that I get, that's why I've been advocating for so many years about yeah. that rent. Stuff and it just drives me batty about it's the government.
2: Too bad that it didn't didn't stay oh, true, right?
1: Yeah, I know, I know. And they, it, it's all about policy, every guy, everybody. You know, all these programs, all about policy choices. It's all about choices, right? <laughs> uh, I'll get to that part after. And you've
2: made the wrong choice. <laughs> door number one, Red. try Red. again. Try oh, <laughs> door number two. No, <laughs> door number
1: three. Ding ding ding. Go.
2: They're all pink unicorns. Sorry. Poof. Poof.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, so I made the career move. I, I, I went, I got this job at this restaurant, uh, Moxie's, Moxie's bar. Mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember it was in Kamloops actually at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I phoned up and goes, yeah, like, come on up. Um, we'll, we'll talk. Right. And I said, um, one little problem. He goes, what I, and of course that was bad on me. I said, Well, no problem with that learning lesson. You don't say to a potential new employer, uh, I, there's a little problem. Like you know, boom, red flag. Eh, eh, oh god, the guy's got a problem already. <laughs> he goes, Well, you well, well, talk to me. Like, what's what's going on? I said, I'm in here. Like, how do I get there? I mean, he goes, You take a bus. Like he's probably thinking, like, duh, Brent. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, Well, I just gave my two weeks' notice in. Um, I just finished my well, I got three more days on my work and then that's it. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to um I'm gonna to talk to one of my other fellow colleagues in one of the other stores um and make arrangements. I want you to go down. Uh it was in New Westminster at the time. They had a boxes there in New Westminster. And I'm mm-hmm. like, where is that? Like I hadn't been there before. And so he told me where it was. I went there and he says, Uh, my colleague, he's he's gonna be expecting you. Um, uh, you just show up there and he's gonna give you some funds. What? Funds for what? I and he'll he'll pay he'll pay me back at store level but he's going to give you funds to pay for your Greyhound ticket to get you up here. Okay. So pack your bags. You're going to be going. Uh, how much is a Greyhound ticket? I said, I think it's like uh, 70 something dollars. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you i uh, I'm going to give you $150 and I'll get you settled, get you going by yourself some uh, lunch or dinners or whatever you got to do. Uh, Cause you get here when you get here, you're probably going to be hungry. Oh my God. 100 back then. That was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, 150 bucks he paid it's for still it. still a lot of money yeah yeah it <laughs> is so i so i got there i got myself settled in i um a, a friend of a friend i stayed there temporary until i got my feet off the ground um that was interesting um i didn't have i had a little tiny little room or you know uh, i had access to a kitchen um and so cutting up stuff these other people that I was with, they were able to cut stuff up for me because I I my hand and eye hand coordination. I can't do that. Like it's for my disability still, but that's okay. I, I work with it the best way I can. Um, the situation. So and I got the job. It was a full-time job, dishwashing job, marketing moxies, Now that was the agreement the employer had with me was that so you you start working here, and as soon as the hotel calls you, like, yeah, you just if it happens there, there's no notice wherever you just go. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, like a really cool employer. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and Moxie's like, that's not where I wanted to be. Like I had been there, done that. I'd done that for many years doing that kind of work. And mm-hmm. I mean, I enjoyed it. the Interaction of like other staff. It was great. They were very accommodating to me. I got in there one morning. It was like tons of dishes everywhere. Oh my God. Somebody didn't mm-hmm. show up the night before I got in. Guess who had to do it? Mm-hmm. I mean, we well, want you to peel all these potatoes. I was peeling and they got so frustrated with me, like, Brent, today, people in Ethiopia would be starving. Like, that's when the cook said to me, and I, like, a little tear went down. I thought, like, I can only go so fast. Like, I can't, like, I'm trying to peel. I, like, I couldn't mm-hmm. seem to do things fast. And
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then I got a phone call, like, but I didn't have a phone at the time. I had a pager. Remember those? Everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. Here? Yeah, those little pagers. I had this one where I had my own number, and it would go, like, it would be buzzing. And I felt <laughs> But it was neat about because back then we had pay phones. That's right, everybody. Pay phones. So my my pager went off. And of course, you're not supposed to you know look at it when you're working. But it was on buzzing mode. I'm thinking, why does it keep buzzing? But what it was, it was giving me an alert telling me that there was a phone number on there. And I had a service on there where it was kind of neat. I wish they had it today. And maybe there is. I'm going to look into it. But it was a, a central number where it would direct your number over to your pager or if you had a cell phone, or if you had a home phone, it would direct you over to wherever you wanted it to go. Well, mine was going to my pager. I could have had, it if I had a home phone at the time, which I didn't, not, well, where I was staying, yes, there was, which then I did direct to there. But anyway, I had to my pager. I used a phone number, a phone inside the business. And so I had phoned my mom at first to let her know that I had arrived safely. And of course, I shouldn't have done that because the employer says, Oh, you need to phone? Uh, to I guess important call. I go, yeah. So I use that call long distance. Oh. <laughs> I used the I said, I just want to let you know I arrived here safely in my first shift I'm on here. Oh, great, Brent! I said, I'm so happy for you. I said I'll come down in a couple of weeks. Come down and visit you once I get things going. I get enough money going. My first paycheck. So I get this phone call. So I, I, and I it was buzzing again, reminding me like, hey, you got a message i oh, what does this number keep doing? So I looked at it, I dialed the number, and it was a hotel in mm. in Kamloops. Mm. And they called me, they said, um, we have a position open for you now, Brent. Uh, and could you start in like, could you start in like two weeks? Two weeks? So I gave my two weeks notice and Well, I didn't think about it at the time that I just promised my mom that I'd be coming down in two weeks. Mm. So you can imagine... I had to then tell my mom I'm going to be coming down in two weeks while well, I phoned her. I got home. I was so excited, uh, but the employer was, was excited for me, but sad
0: mm-hmm.
1: and said, okay, like, okay, fine. Like finish up your two weeks. Uh, I went to the employer and I, like I, you know, I had a kind of a pre not like pre interview, i uh, sitting down and, and like, yeah, so your starting date is in two weeks. I just Did you give your notice? And yes, because they knew I was going to be giving my notice. And so I had given my notice. And they said, good, right, right on. I said, I'm so excited. I said, thank you so much. And my friend at the time, he had moved up um, a couple months later to work at, at an ABC restaurant mm-hmm. uh, in Kamloops. And I said, well, good. You know, he's got a job there. And this is going to be awesome. I'm going to work at a hotel across the road from him which is now torn down mm. it's the hotel is now gone and there's a there's mm. a dollarama there now and there's like a um oh, original joe's that's there there's a oh, bunch of okay. stuff there yeah like and so i still visualize every time i go up there which i haven't been there in years i still picture a hotel there mm. i went in um so i had done some training they asked me to come and do some free training get used to the staff there and My job would have been working at the front desk, Neil, and everybody listening front desk, front desk agent. Mm -hmm. You can picture that as a front desk agent. Hi, uh, you're here to check in, you know, and uh, guest services. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
1: but they wanted me to do some catering work in the meantime until that position did come available. Mm -hmm. Now I had, like, so fast forward, I had given my two weeks notice. And so now I'm now ready to come into work. So they said, okay, we need just to do some catering. So I got in doing some catering, bu- some uh, buffets, and and that was interesting. Like I got some good tips. Some very well-to-do individuals that came up, business leaders, uh, government government uh, leaders. Um, oh yeah, um, Jimmy Patterson showed up there. Oh, oh yeah, like I, oh yeah, like there was lots of celebrities, and I don't like I didn't really pay attention because I didn't really interact with a lot of people. I just set up tables and put claws on their wine glasses, cutlery, and take the tables down. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I had to do that in a hurry for the next event. And I thought, okay, when am I going to be starting my new position? Okay, so anyway, I got home. I still remember going to Moxie's and went and had dinner. I go, oh, hey, stranger, how's the new job? And I go, I haven't started yet. I'm waiting for me to start the job. And I'm doing some buffet and some, um, some catering. Oh, okay, catering. Oh, that's cool, cool. I had already given my notice and well, then I got a phone call. I had gone for dinner at Moxie's, my pager's going off and I get a phone call saying, uh, Brent, can you, are you still in the area? Can you come up to the hotel? We need to speak with you. There was a manager when uh, I came up and I was given the very dreadful news that nobody ever wants to hear. I was given the news that unfortunately, uh, a senior staff member who had gone on maternity leave, um, wasn't going to be coming back, but had changed, uh, had, uh, she had changed her mind and she wanted her job back. Mm. So my job was no longer, I said, what does that mean? Well, your job is no longer needed, but thank you anyway. If you wanted to continue doing uh casual part-time catering, we could, that we could offer you that, but nothing mm. stable. Mm. I thought I moved up here to live. That's not why I moved here. Like I, I just gave my notice into my job and two weeks ago or just over two weeks. and Well, you can maybe go back and see if you can get your job back. I went back and they said, sorry, it doesn't work that way, Brent. We've already filled your position full time. We don't have a position here for you. Yeah. Oh, so you can imagine like, <laughs> yeah. So I, my, my friend moved up and, um, I got a job at ABC. Um, then unfortunately, um uh, they, uh, they dismissed everybody out of there. They shut. They they changed ownership, and everybody lost their jobs out of there. So him and I lost our jobs. So mm-hmm. now I got nothing. And then he would be moping around looking for work. Oh, looking
2: so for the work. moral of the story is
1: the moral. Is, moral don't of the
2: story don't trust anybody that says there's a job waiting for you. Damn it.
1: <laughs> because it was complete disaster. Like it was, yeah. and I put my mom and and she threw it at me saying, "I told you, I had a gut instinct that you shouldn't have moved up." But I I look back at time and I say it was a learning it was a learning curve it was good experience for me. Uh, someone said, "Well, would you ever consider doing that as an occupation again?" And the hotel fell bad for me, really really bad. Um, they were well, they tried to do whatever they could do. I mean, I still worked at doing some catering stuff. I got the job at ABC. I still worked doing some of the catering stuff there. But I knew mm. that the time was going to be up. For and eventually, then uh, then the building got sold anyway, and then they mm-hmm. tore it down mm-hmm. and it was empty lot for years. Um, so I, I moved back down to the coast um, and I just uh, tried to find my pathway going forward. Um, but getting to my boat, my mom is, uh, I, you know, after I had moved, like I, I came back and my mom was, you know, she, uh, her and I, we got along really well she was my best friend she was really my best friend. Uh, my mother, my mom, I called her my mom because um, that's the only person that I knew. I mean, I knew my mother because I, you know, like I said earlier in the podcast, um, she used to phone and then she'd show up and I didn't realize she was my mother at the time, my biological mother. But I, I saw a little bit different things happening with my mom uh, after I moved back. And, and she was having some difficulty with a few things and uh, she would be kind of complaining to me or visualizing saying that they're, like, we, had a, we had a bad windstorm uh, the one year and uh, she'd say well uh, Brent they, the branches are moving but there's like there's hands out there like they look like there's arms and I said arms like well can you go out and can you go out in the yard and check it out and inspect it and let me know if it's okay I go yeah sure so I went out and there's I mean there's tree branches had tree limbs had fallen off and broken off because of the windstorm and leaves everywhere and, and I with a flashlight looking around and you no know, nothing out there. I'm thinking, my God, what is what is my mom talking about? Like mm-hmm. I, so I come in and I said nothing out there, mom. She goes, No, I hear noises out there. And I said, Mom, there's nothing out there. It's so the wind. It's throwing branches against the uh, you know, probably against the house. It's probably what you're seeing. And mm-hmm. she looked out there, she goes, no, I saw something. I she looked out the window. She I just saw I saw something out there. I saw somebody move. And, but the thing is, it was her mind. Her mind was playing tricks, and I didn't understand, like, what the heck is going on here. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, it, it kind of, it kind of stabilized for a while. And when I say a while, it was it she plateaued for a while there, like nothing happened. I'm like, okay, I was isolated. It happened again, and then my mom would say, "Can you rub my feet? My my feet?" Uh, and I'm like, "What? My legs?" Uh, it was like, like what is going on? i was like, it was going through her. Something was going on. Mm-hmm. uh wow. and she said oh I felt like something was tickling her and i'm and like her mind like her mind was playing tricks with her and i was like so i went and i made a phone call to see my doctor <laughs> like i didn't know who to talk to i'm like okay mm-hmm. the receptionist hi I, I can i can mimic hi brand how how are you i'm like, fine i'm really worried about my mom oh is your mom okay and i'm like i don't know um she's i think she's um uh, hallucinating i don't know what's going on here like i'm kind of freaked out okay um i can get her to come in for an appointment so she got her in there and the testing and they uh they determined that uh it was an onset of uh, alzheimer's mm-hmm. and i thought oh okay i and i didn't know a lot about about that um and then she developed Parkinson's.
2: yeah that's tough
1: so she was a double whammy for her. And uh, my mom, of course, she was still really with it. Like she was totally with it. And, and so she told me, the um, I was I had gone to work and I got back and I, I had got a phone call at my work saying, um, your mom's on the phone. I'm like, my mom's on the phone. Okay. I, so I was busy with, I was de- busy dealing with a customer. I was actually uh, waitering at the time. So my section, I had to get somebody to take over in my section for waitering, well, because they said, uh, my manager said it was a very important phone call, like, you need to take this now, like, and my mom said, yeah, like, I, I just got diagnosed, and I, I literally dropped the phone, like, I didn't know, uh, like, what, and that was just the, the first part of the stage, right, um, my mom was out in the yard, ch- chopping wood, and, um, her hand slipped too, mm. and she sliced right down to her, Her her knee like way down her leg. Oh wow! With an axe, yeah, she was out there chopping, and other like she there was a tree. One of our neighbors had chopped down a tree, but it was kind of like the it was nice and smooth, like the thing. But she was using Mm -hmm. some other piece there, and she was chopping, and somehow her hand slipped, Mm -hmm. and that's when she realized like her there was something going on. And so I got another phone call another day, telling me Mm -hmm. Brent, there's emergency, a phone call. I'm like, oh for God's sake, what now? But that time it was coming from my neighbor like mm-hmm. what my neighbor said my mom was rushed to the hospital and that's when they found out that she has, she had got, she was Parkinson's. Like it was like another mm-hmm. onset, like, Oh my gosh. Like it was like a bombshell for me. So I had to learn to, I had to do treatment uh, with the um, nurse that would come in and help my mom doing home mm-hmm. care at her, at her own home. I actually had to put salving stuff on her legs. I was grossed out. Like, it really freaked me. Like, um, and I, but I had to learn to deal with that. Like I had to, my mom was there and like she was with it. She says, you, you're supposed to just gently put this cream on. And as it's kind of, as the time went on, everybody, like, um, I saw de- basic deterioration of my mom. Mm.
0: Um,
1: I needed to move. Like it was, I knew it was time that I had to actually move, but I knew financially, my mom couldn't uh, make it on her own. She's a single mother bringing up my brother and myself. Uh, and she struggled. She struggled um, because we're we're in poverty, right? Even though my mom was working a bunch of jobs, she she would take her shirt off. She would take, uh, I mean, not literally, but, you know what I mean? Like she would literally hand, um, she would make homemade cookies and give it to her neighbors because that was the kind of person she would do or she would make stuff. And she would give it, you know, back and forth and like to people. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were on well, well, on well water. So um, learning to conserve water, learning to conserve food, uh, leftovers was always a thing. Like, yeah, like you always, Mm -hmm. always Mm -hmm. a thing. Uh, There was times where I went to bed hungry because my mom, she couldn't afford to go and buy certain things. So and there was things that she would make, unfortunately, I mean, God rest your soul mom but there were certain things that i i couldn't eat
2: maybe she's maybe she's learning how to cook properly in heaven
1: now but now she was but she was like she was a great she was a great great cook so like um but i think really good cook but she would give me things that uh that i just couldn't eat Mm. um like um oxtail oh yeah okay i couldn't i could not I, i just i would gag like it was fatty it was all fatty and i would gag and i just Mm-hmm. first the dog ate <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> yeah the dog loves it yeah. oh yeah that you're not leaving the <laughs> table until you finish every single bit on your on your plate Well, the yeah. dog would come by no the, she'd call the dog in the other room but you know what I mean like there was things that I just couldn't do so if mm-hmm. you don't want to eat it then you're going to your room you know I,
2: my I'll just interject again a little funny little story is my sister she's about a, a year and a year and three months older than me and she always used to have a really hard time with Stew meat, like uh, I mean, you and and I grew up at the same time, so like you know, parents in my generation, my parents' generation, they they conserved as much as possible, right? So it's like, uh, there was no splurging for anything, so it was like, you know, you would always really conserve and buy as cheap as you can. So my mom would do a lot of stews because it was like cheap meat, right? Oh, yeah, But, but uh, you know, and my sister my sister it's like she would always struggle always struggle like eating this stew meat like she would literally take hours to chew yeah, this meat that's and, how I, was. and then my, how parents, I was. my parents would say like you're not leaving the table until you're finished right well she would just stay up there to the table for like two hours like chew, chewing on this meat it was just yeah. hilarious right
1: that, that, that's how I was and then there was dumplings and then I would try and get some mashed potatoes and then I'd Try and figure. Okay, if I could try to eat this and swallow it whole, and then <laughs> you know, and, and I'd be picking like a little peas, like peas there, and I'd be picking away at it. Oh, I don't like this pea, or you know, I mean, or you know, broccoli, or you know, like different carrots. And, oh my good carrots! Yum, yum. So I just like okay, I'll fill myself up on vegetables, friend. That's what you'll do. Fill yourself up. My mom goes, no, you're not leaving till you eat that. And there was a lot of nights where I, you know, I would go. I'd go to bed and to my room with, without having dinner. Of course, before I did, I grabbed some cheese and crackers, managed mm-hmm. <laughs> to yeah. get in there, get some peanut butter, put some on there, take mm-hmm. off there. And, and I mean, my mom understood, like, as I got a little older, she, she said, yeah, she, she understood that she's, I shouldn't have given you things that you know that you couldn't eat, but, you know, but she explained to me that, you know, it's because growing up she grew up that way too. And, Like with her mother, like it was like way back in uh, in during the depression, deep depression, and her and I like growing up with with her, um, she struggled. So yeah, like I totally understand. Like she she had bought stew meat and she would just do the best she could and provide uh, for my my brother and I the best way she could. And like popsicles, like we'd have fruit popsicles. Well, she would get you know juice and she would she would put it into like frozen uh, frozen little sticks and then you'd have a, and yeah, it
2: my, my mom would do that too yeah Yeah,
1: and that was great like I was like never took anything for granted uh, if I wanted something I had to go and earn it like if I wanted uh, if I wanted to go to uh, a movie uh, I, wow that would be a treat uh, you know wow um, if I wanted that I'd have to go and mow the lawn um, uh, in my mom person. would
2: always my mom would always sneak into her own snacks so you're like totally not supposed to do that right yeah <laughs> but she'd yeah. Like have, have this big coat with all those like hidden smarties and chocolate bars oh yeah and yeah it's like it was like reaching to her pocket and they're like here you go it's like you know yeah and then the yeah. guys in the theater would come around with their flashlights like what's this you know that my mom would always hide it
1: away yeah no no outside food no no no. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. used to go in and uh bring that in but you know, I would go out and mow the lawn, but of course I had bad allergies, and so I'd be struggling trying to get through. My eyes would just be just just poof, like oh my gosh, it was terrible, sneezing and coughing, and my eyes would be all swollen up. And you know, or I'd go and shovel someone's, um, you know, if it was winter time, go and make a bunch of money shoveling driveways, or uh, and, you and know, I got a paper route, um, and I wasn't allowed to do a paper route until uh, until I was twelve. No, I was 11. I wanted to do it. and They wouldn't let me. The company wouldn't let me do it. So I, I helped another paper paper boy at the time doing a route, and uh, he would give me some funds, and uh, I would save it up. And I said, well, I want to do your route, because I knew he was going to give it up, but the company wouldn't let me do it, because you had to be of age to do mm-hmm. the route. So then I took over his route, and then I eventually took over my brother's route, uh, which then he didn't want to do it anymore, so my mom got it. So my mom did. My mom did his route. So then I then I asked the company, "Well, can I get it from my mom? Can do you think so?" I go, as "Long as you can do that." And I love doing that one. I wanted. I wanted that route. That was the first time, but I couldn't have it. So I did my route plus that route, uh, the bigger route. It was two hundred twenty-five papers, Neil. Everybody. Oh wow. Two hundred whole trailer court, and I I went around and pretty well most of them subscribed to it. Uh, then I eventually, as time went on, I gave it up, gave up the route. Like it was a lot of work. Um, there was a, a route that I did, um, one of, and I, one of my customers, I really did not, I, I did everything I could to get rid of this one customer. Cause it was further down from where all my other customers were, but I had to pedal down like another 10 minute a ride on the bike mm-hmm. down and mm-hmm. because it was a boundary, the, the company says technically, even though it's further, it's still within your boundary. I didn't want to deliver to him because he was a strange, strange old man. Um, and I felt very uncomfortable and like he'd asked me to come in for ice cream. Um, and I told my mom that she was really, oh, that's interesting. And I, anyway, I had um, a bad cold and allergies that one, this one time around. So my mom says, well, I'll do your route for you. I said, okay, mm-hmm. here's the addresses. So she went up there and delivered all the way up this guy's steep driveway up there. He's like, ah, all the way up. Mm -hmm. She got back. She goes later on, and she says, "Okay, you're not going to be delivering to that that uh, nasty old man anymore." And what the guy hit hit on my mom. The old guy hit on my mom, so she phoned up. Oh, my mom phoned up the paper company and said, "No, uh, my son's not going to be delivering there, and I'm not going to be uh, doing." what do you mean you well i actually did his route for a couple of days because he was he was really uh, not feeling well and i had a bad allergy season that year and it was just like was sick I and i couldn't stay couldn't go to school uh i think i was off for almost a week yeah and the, the guy like he literally uh, he almost like trapped my mom in like she she had to go and so mm-hmm. well, like it was yeah But anyway, so getting that, I like I miss my mom so much because she taught me a lot about respect and standing up for myself. Um, she taught me for who I am, um, for who I am now. Um, she always told me to believe in in myself and stand up for what I believe in. Like like uh she always said her and I used to get into arguments though, because you should say, you can't you can't beat the system, Brent. You can't beat the system. You have to accept the fact, accept what it is. I said, no, no. If you're going to accept, accept what it is, then, mm-hmm. then you're letting yourself down. You need mm-hmm. to stand up. And so I taught myself taught myself that and I taught my mom that. And as my mom became older, like, you know, I, like I'd just be a teenager. But as I became a, a young adult, I taught my mom that as I became more knowledgeable on things,
0: mm-hmm.
1: she then realized that, hey, um, you're right. And so when I... When it came time for me to before i moved my mom um financially she started finding things a little bit harder she had a hobby farm oh yeah she had chickens she had ducks she had a pot belly pig oh yeah but it was just a, it was just a family pet she didn't mm-hmm. use it you know for um you know for eating but pot belly pig the thing was huge you could barely walk it was like
0: <laughs>
1: and uh she had cats she had 12 cats she had two dogs she had budgies, she had some baby, some uh, little um, um, rabbits out there mm-hmm. in a cage, and she'd water them. And My responsibility, my mom would go away. She went to England. We sent her off to England one year, and she was away for about uh, three months. And uh, she wanted to make it worth her while to see her relatives. And so when uh, she was away, I had to guess guess who had to take care of uh, all, all the chores. Uh,
2: all the animals, yeah.
1: And all the, the eggs collect the eggs right mm-hmm. yeah yeah so anyway uh, as time went on uh it was a lot of work for her when she came back i, I could see that um she needed that break uh she applied uh, for um a Safer's program it's for seniors uh she had a meeting with her um her worker which ended up being my worker years later which i didn't realize it was the same worker who administered seniors programs versus people with disabilities, right? So end mm-hmm. up being the same worker. And so uh, I said to the worker, um, wow, this is a nice surprise. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too again, Brent. So how does that How does that work? My mom just fills this out. Yeah, it's based on her her, um, her notice of assessment from Revenue Canada. And so um, her rent is no more than, um, it, it's like subsidized no more than 30% of her income based on the household. Household income. Now that mm-hmm. threshold, as uh, one of our guests that we've had before many times, talks about the threshold, BC's threshold versus Alberta's threshold. Mm-hmm. BC's needs to be over at, needs to be $46,000. It was at at the time my mom got it, it was at $26,000 household income.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My gosh. What happened was, my mom says, well, this is great at first. Like, yeah, okay. Well, you know, you're, your um your son your older son um and Brent um can live with you, um and it's not going to affect their their income um so he just keeps paying his rent to you okay and uh, no problem. What it was is that um huh, it actually did affect my mom, it did affect the income wise because my brother, my brother was a is a was a professional painter. So my brother made a lot of income coming in and he he wasn't on disability he uh he's not disabled um he's got some issues that he's got to work out in his life but uh he was never diagnosed with disability mm-hmm. um i am on the system so unfortunately uh the amount of income coming in um was too much basically for uh according to the government uh that uh, there was too much money being made So my mom didn't qualify for safers in order for her to continue to qualify. My brother would have to move or I would have to move in order to reduce down the household income to a threshold that she would then still qualify. And I thought, my God, like that, that is so cruel. And I even said that right to the worker. That is so, I said, so in part of my language, everybody, I don't, I don't mean to normally, I don't swear on my show. I said, but that is so fucking unfair. Mm -hmm. And my mom says, Brent, oh, don't, please don't talk that way. I go, so means I have to move or my brother does? I said, well, Mm -hmm. good. I mean, I'm hoping he does move. My mom, oh, she got so mad with me. Then she she says, oh, I'd love to slap him across the face right now. I'm like, what? Because I said, well, I'd love him to move. Oh, because my brother and I always never saw eye to eye, right? So, of course, I'm going all happy going, hey, yay, he can move. So... What it was is that my mom had to make the ultimate harsh decision in her life. After kicking my dad out, the next bad thing was kicking my brother out. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And my mom made a very vocal to the worker. She says, I already got rid of their their father because he was, a, he was an alcoholic. So what, now I have to get rid of my son because the system won't allow me to have him living with me. He drives me places. He mm-hmm. has a vehicle. He can drive. Brent can't drive. Brent is visually impaired. Brent has a learning disability. My God, like, what are you doing? It's the system. It's how the system is designed. And that's, I always stuck in my mind is how the system is designed. And I thought, wow. So unfortunately, my brother had to move. Mm -hmm. and Because my mom had said, well, Brent needs to be with me. Like, he has to be here. Mm -hmm. He can't be on his own. Unless you're going to get up his income, way up there, mm-hmm. he's now going to be self-sufficient. And, um,
2: and all that decision has has serious repercussions, right? Yeah, because because like like your mom was saying, I mean, your brother, as 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 annoying as he was to you, yeah, um, he was a support for your mom. Like he, like yeah. she was saying, he he can drive. He's a, he's a support for her like just just a physical support that, that yep. she that she can get around better and do things better so when you start to break up families yep. then it becomes more of a burden well, for the other, other person right so well that's, yeah. well that's
1: what happened there is that they basically took away her supports physical supports that she had um sure um i was there as and my mom explained this to me uh over many times, you were said, like the
2: um, you were like the emotional support. I was the emotional
1: support <laughs> person for her because her and I got along and see the eye to eye and a lot of things. There were things eye to eye that her and I did not see eye on too. But overall, mm-hmm. um, her and I saw eye to eye and a lot of things. That she could talk to me about things, uh, regarding my brother, that would bother her by the hell out of her. But he would be able, you know, do compensate by being able to provide, um, physically of uh, like taking her places doing things for her um that because she was just she tried driving she just it wasn't for her she just she was a basket case she told me i you know she said i'd be a wreck on the on the roads and i said well you did the best you could so with with that is uh so my brother had moved because uh well the, the government basically said you, you made too much so you can't be here yeah you know <laughs> go figure because so I, I had moved, I had moved with a friend of mine, um, which fast forward, I mean, which is really great. Uh, she's a great friend of mine still. And uh, even to this date and, and a good friend of Sonia's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, uh, Sonia got to meet her and, um, yeah, like, like, um, so we had found a place and I said, well, where? And so, um, it was a a two bedroom basement suite and and her, um, her, uh, sisters and her brother-in-law's, um, house nice place really good place uh, i was, yeah, was about a 15 minute walk to the bus maybe, uh, maybe 10 minutes 10 15 depending know how mm-hmm. fast i walked mm-hmm. uh, it got up to a point where um, they wanted that um, her sister wanted their family so they wanted the basement suite to themselves so we had to move so i moved to into langley into downtown langley which i used to ride my bike by the place neil all the time and everybody i used to ride my yeah, go figure. I rode my bike by this apartment building. And oh, what is that building? Oh, never knowing that going fast forward that I would actually be living in that building. Mm. And uh, that's how going forward, then that's how I, I met Sonia. Like we we connected and and then basically my uh, my roommate then she met somebody um uh, she met her her well it was supposed to be her boyfriend <laughs> she met her boyfriend was then my friend ended up having a kid with the boyfriend mm-hmm. and okay well yeah and um yeah so happy go lucky uh, for her mm-hmm. didn't work out that way but whatever I mean she made her made her decisions on, on that um Sonia and I we still we chuckle about that because <laughs> going forward but uh my mom would come by to visit my mom would come by to visit, um, I'd look after her. And um, well, my friend would go to work and so my mom would come by and she you. you going to be okay with your mom? I said, yeah, like I'll be, it's cool. Like it's cool, I'll make some tea. And so I said, mom, you want like, some tea? She goes, I want a cup of coffee. Okay, mm-hmm. so I said, okay, so I made the coffee. When's the tea coming, Brent? The tea, uh, no problem, now so boiling some tea. She says, "Oh, for God's sake! How long is it how long does it take to get the cup of coffee?" I'm like, "Oh, I think <laughs> oh my!" And, but Uh-oh. I had my cool, right, Neil? You know, like I, you know, and I, I was thinking, like, where are you at here? Like, and I knew like that state of mind. She's already going through this because her and I had already gone through this when I lived at her home. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, I'm living in a basement suite, so I'm thinking, "Oh my God!" Like, oh, you know, but. I then began to realize like, yeah, Brent, just go with the flow. You just have to work with your mom the best way you can. So my brother, like, <clears throat> he, um, he had given me a phone call one day. I was at, I was at a job and, uh, again, and he says, I I've got some, um, I got some news I need to talk to you about. And I said, can this not wait? I'm on the job site. Like, uh, you know, cause I had, I had a cell phone at the time. I, My first cell phone, Mm -hmm. I had got, and my phone rang. I see my brother's number and I'm thinking like I ignored it. He kept phoning me and phoning me like he would not stop. And I thought you jerk, like stop phoning me. You're going to get me fired on my job. Like, and he didn't care Mm -hmm. why he didn't care is because what was important to him was he needed to communicate with me about some very, very troubling news that had been dropped on him and, and on my mom. So well, guess what? I, I got fired for taking mm. a phone call on the job, mm. which affected my mom, affected me, affected my brother. I told the employer, I said, you know what? You can F right off. I said, you know what? My mom's more important.
2: Well, like and for I, a family emergency. Yeah. I mean, and that, I, I, and I, I have... told
1: the employer, but you know, they said, can it not wait? And I told them what it was. I said, life goes on. Life goes on. Wow. Life goes on. Yes. And, you know, wow. and, and you know who the employer was? I'll, and I'll say it right here. Mm. Thank you, Walmart. Thank you. Wow. Thank you,
2: Walmart. Yeah. Like,
1: thank you very much.
2: That's and, why I, I don't feel bad. Cause I don't, I don't ever shop there. And now I know why I never shop there.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, you know, and it was, yeah. Like I had taken the phone call because my brother had got me this devastating news that my mom was getting kicked out of her place that she had lived in there since I was little yay. Little tiny little toddler. Why? Because the owner had passed away, and the home was given. Um, my mom was renting, so um, the the sisters took over the home, right? So they had they had ownership of it. Well, what it was is that uh, they said that family member was going to be moving into the home, and um, unfortunately, like the uh, the one sister needed to be close by Langley Memorial Hospital. Uh, due to diagnostic testing, um, she was going through in her life. So unfortunately, they needed to they take possession for the sister to live in there. So we went to a, um, a hearing through the uh, BC Residential Tenancy uh, Branch uh, hearing to um, you know go through that because my mom disputed it, and I had a notice of eviction. I saw it. My brother gave me a copy and showed it to me. I met up with him for lunch. Him and I were actually very civil. Like he sat down and he went and bought me lunch, and he says. The, the government's not going to deduct this off you uh, off you, are they Brent? Are they going to garnish you this off you? Because I'm buying you lunch as a gift. No, mm. he says because they do. He said they're going to be talking to me. You've been through enough. He says enough crap in your life, and mm-hmm. I've gone through crap now dealing with the government on this. I thought, oh my god. He goes, mm. oh, he said he said heads are going to spin, man. I'm like, well, that was coming from my brother. Mm-hmm. So long story short is my mom lost a home because she won, lost the battle. I had gone to the hearing myself on behalf of my mom and my brother were there. Were there and one of our neighbors as a witness, um, because the, the doctor had signed off some doctor, not my family doctor, mm-hmm. my family doctor would never have done that. So whoever's doctor that they had signed off on it and said, yes, um, you know, uh, my patient, um, what say? Oh, yeah, my patient uh, has been diagnosed with lip, you know, and needs to have medical attention ongoing for a period of time, uh, needs to reside at this address, at my mom's address, and was signed off by the doctor. Do I believe a word of it? No, I don't. Even to this date, no, I don't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, somebody, somebody got paid off here. Somebody got paid off. Right. And I know mm-hmm. that uh, Tennessee Branch knows that the officer... But you know what? They had to go with the uh, with the hey, they had to go with the signature that's on there, and they had to go with it. And the documentation backed up each other. So what a bing! My mom lost it. My mom didn't even get back her damage deposit after all those years. Imagine how much money she would have had. Why yeah. didn't she get it back? Because my brother was so upset that my mom lost the place my brother had built a shed on a cement platform that he had put cement down and laid the cement down. And built a, uh, a basically nice, good um, um, outhouse with a roof on there and everything, and hooked up, um, you know, electricity to it. So my brother was smart. Like he, he, um, he, even though he did painting, he actually did construction too. Like he learned from um, his big brother at the time and taught him a lot of stuff in the in the trade industry. So uh, so he learned a lot. He knew what he was doing. He got so mad he ripped down the whole shed, you Neil. Know, he took the whole shed. Well, right I, down. I would have I would have done the exact same thing. Yeah. He smashed it right down, like took it out. I he mm-hmm. smashed the concrete too, that it was on so that mm-hmm. they couldn't use it again. And yeah. because they, because the Tennessee act says that, that it was damaged done to the property because he hadn't put foundation on there. It's now part of the property because mm. they, they said technically it's part of the property. He damaged it. And because of that, my mom didn't get back her damage deposit. And I said, are you for real? Like, why? Like, I said to the Tennessee branch. I mean, wow. I said, see so you tell my mom after how many years that all of a sudden she loses her home and my brother's not supposed to be upset. I said, not that I condole what he did. I said, but I don't blame him for what he did. They're like, mm-hmm. and, the, and the and the 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 aide, the officer of the Tennessee branch says, take those words back. I said, I will not take the words back. I said, yeah. do you know? I said, what this will do to my mom. And what it did, it did. It did actually deteriorated my mom's health.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They were warned. The neighbor Every, warned.
2: Everything's connected, right? Everything's well, the, the connected. lady
1: warned, uh, the, when my neighbor warned that, that the, uh, the branch said, if you take away her home, her health is going to deteriorate down because that's all she knows. And what mm-hmm. it was is that she found another home on the next road over, and my mom called it the dungeon. It was a cement wall. there was a wood wall on the other side. She couldn't put no pictures up. And it was, just, it felt very cold. It was just not warm. It was a tiny little place. Uh, and I saw my mom's health going all the way down. We then had to put her into a home. And uh, yeah, after that, um, she went right downhill. Uh, I met met up with her in Fort Langley. Her and I would go for a tea. I took her for a muffin. and um, And I remember I was working at McDonald's at the time customer customer care i had just i had just got my uh, a badge wash i got the badge actually after yes that's right a magnetic badge that i was given because they they, they really uh, saw that i provided great customer service and i was given a gold a gold um, badge to wear mm-hmm. uh, as a magnetic one on as customer customer care specialist customer mm-hmm. care specialist i remember a day i started I was working um, and it was in the, uh, it was in the summer. And I said this on my last podcast, July 21st, 2006. And I had gone into work and I was asked to, I was asked, he asked if I could come in a little bit early and I said, well, um, I said, yeah, okay. Like I, yeah it was an afternoon shift. And I was asked if I could come in, come in at um, like the, in the morning because there was some uh, activities going on and they wanted to uh, prepare like get the things going in the, and so I had to get things stocked up and ready to go for a huge rush so I got in there uh, but I got a phone call I had just I got up and got my morning going I think I got up at seven o'clock yeah it was, it was yeah it was seven o'clock in the morning I got up and watched the news and I'm sitting here having a cup of coffee I just had my breakfast and at eight thirty-one in the morning, I got a phone call. The clock literally was weird because I was I was looking at um, I had this temperature gauge. <laughs> of course, me and weather. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. I'm looking at what the temperature is inside my place and okay, what's the humidity level at? And I'm looking at it. And I was watching something on the news and I they were talking about weather and I thought, oh okay. So I looked over at my temperature gauge, which was sitting right beside me, and I looked in it, the clock had literally just turned, like literally turned at eight thirty-one. My phone rang. I jumped. Like, Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. like talk about like literally like right at the same time. Mm-hmm. My phone. I'm looking at the call display and I see, I see um, the home that my mom's at. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm
1: like, why are they calling me at eight thirty in the morning? Like, I'm like, hello. Like nobody there. Weird. So I hung up the phone and then the phone rang. It rang three times. It went ring, ring, ring and it was like a steady ring and it stopped mm-hmm. and then my phone i thought was there a malfunction on my phone like it it like it, it was like a steady ring and then it cut like what mm. the hell and so like i called back to that number i thought like it was uh it was like something telling me like and so i called back and i'm like okay you called like who's this and so i said who is oh oh yes hi um we just tried calling you uh once um, we have just called you. I go. No, you tried calling twice. No, we we called you once, and I, I said, "Why well, must I missed your call?" I call back. I'm thinking, well, why would my show my phone show up as twice? And it showed on my call display two missed like it was called. You know, twice it was missed call. I'm like, mm-hmm. what the hell? And uh, so it tells me now that, and I you know I really believe in, I believe in upper things mm-hmm. and some people don't some people do mm-hmm. I believe that my mom was trying to reach out to me at the time to tell mm-hmm. me like hey uh anyway I phoned back and they said uh yeah your mom slipped away Brent mm-hmm. like well where, where did that little I, you know I still remember I said where did that little devil go where did that little devil go now because you know they used to come and tell me like uh you know hey we're having a problem with your mom like she was uh, she was kind of out of her mind and she would uh, be lashing out at people, and she was never that way. Like, she was always very kind, uh, very warm hearted person. Like, she would do anything for anybody. Mm-hmm. But she said, uh, Yeah, your mom slipped away this, this morning. Well, where did she go, Brent? She slipped away. I go, Okay, I, I got, and I said, I got that. Like, what are you telling me? Your mom passed away, Brent. Oh, and I my jaw dropped. I literally dropped the receiver. And I, I was like, stunned, like I was frozen. Like, I didn't know, and I hear this, hello, hello, are you there? And I, so I pick up the phone, I go, I'm here. Okay, so what happens now is that, what do we do with her body? Oh, excuse me? Like, what, what do we do with her body? Like, and I, I thought that seemed kind of morbid. Like, it was like, really, like, I'm sorry, yeah. like, how can we, like, how can we work with you? And we tried phoning phone your brother, but there was no answer. I go, well, that's the only number I have. So you have to keep trying. Like mm-hmm. I was just like, I got the phone. I hung up the phone. I just hung up the phone on them. And I was just so devastated. I went to work. Crazy, Brent. Crazy, 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 Brent. I should have phoned in. Sonia said, if I would have known you back then, you, I would have said, no, you're not going to work. Like I, but somebody told me that my mom would have wanted me to carry on and focus mm-hmm. on the positive. So Mm -hmm. I went and I pushed myself to go to work, end up going work, uh, leaving about uh, an hour and 20 minutes into my shift. But when I got there, and I want everyone to really listen to this part here. um, When I got there, I told them what happened and everyone was very um, totally beyond understanding. Like they, they every single person working their customers, every, all employees, management, they all mm-hmm. came to me and they all gave me a group hug. Mm-hmm. They said, like, go home. If you need to go home, go home. And I I just kind of moped around for a bit, which is understandable, right? I was trying to cope hearing the news. And I just, I couldn't It took me a long time to cope, uh, to get through it. But here's the part I, which really freaked me out.
0: Mm-hmm. A good
1: friend of mine who worked for uh, Coast Mountain Bus Company, uh, he retired from there. I still stay in communication with them every so often. He I've taught... had
2: I've had some great bus drivers yeah. through the years. I mean but, yeah. But he did um
1: uh, but he did um he actually did um, planning for them. He did mm-hmm. planning, like he taught me about planning, about what he does on the routes and stuff. It was so cool. Like him and I mean a coffee. Mm-hmm. For some reason he showed up on my job that morning. He came in, opened up the door, like the door, like he and it was like you know just like these bars on the door And it was like the the store was kind of designed as the old replica replica way back in the 1950s 60s type of uh deal mcdonald's it was going through a trend at the time a lot of their stores were they had um like the 50s 60s type of sitting juke boxes mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. literally opened up the door like that and he's standing there and he looks at me and i was i was mopping the floor at the time and i stopped and i i looked at him he looked at me he goes, Hi. And I literally dropped them off. I go, Leonard, how are you? He goes, the question is, how are you? And like I hadn't told anybody what happened.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: he says, I go, oh, I'm glad that you came in today. And he looks at you, are you okay, Brent? And I'm looking at him like a blank look on my face. And mm-hmm. I literally, like I literally started just bawling my eyes out when mm-hmm. I saw him, right? And he says, oh my gosh. He says, and I t- I told him what happened. He goes, I knew it. I knew it. I knew there was a reason why I had to come here today. He said, I woke up this morning and I was gonna go somewhere else for coffee. And I said, No, I, I want to go and see Brent today. I have to go and see Brent for some reason. Mm-hmm. He didn't know why, but something mm-hmm. told him he needed to go to McDonald's. And the reason why he, he's actually a priest.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's actually a priest
0: mm-hmm.
1: also. And yeah. I didn't like I, I knew that at the time. So something must have told him. He needed to oh, be yeah. there.
2: there. There's no accidents. There's no accidents. There, there's,
1: it's not even coincidental. Like, there's yeah. Things, yeah. And I've learned that in life is that there's reasons why things happen for reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even like to this date, I think back and I, I got a, a text message from my aunt who, uh, who said, I'm, I'm thinking about your mom today. Mm-hmm. And your, your mom is a very dear person. and, so, when I, when I say to people, I, I know this is a long podcast, so I, I hope people really enjoy it. But um, when I I learned about her, like my mom was always my mom because that's who I, who I knew, who had brought me up. But I got to know who my mother was, right? As I explained earlier in the podcast. So, I would go to visit my mother who lived out in uh, Port Alberni. Mm-hmm. And uh, with uh, with my stepdad, who I always called as my stepdad, he wasn't really my my dad, but he always took me on as <clears throat> as his son, <clears throat> as his mm-hmm. son, right? I mean, him and I would you know just sit around and, and, and just joke with each other, and uh, yeah, it was it was good. Like he would he would take me out for drives and stuff. We'd go out for a drive, and yeah, uh, Bernie, hey, you're gonna come along, no? You and you and Brent go out, and took me out to Tofino and all these windy roads. Shh, shh, all the way out there and i see all these crashy waves and it was fun times and a bear jumped out right in front of us he skidded his tires wow. almost into the bear oh my god that would have been bad and i was mm. like <laughs> it was, uh-huh. I, oh it wasn't cool brent <laughs> <laughs> the little baby cubs running out too right but mm. i look at all the the uh, the neat times because i look back at that and my mom and her they got along really well so i thought that's great that's great so so, yeah oh so you thought oh oh yeah like like they got along as i grew up okay but what i didn't realize is that when i when my mom and dad separated when my my mom basically told my dad that you know you know go he moved out to winnipeg because that's where that's where he my mom and my dad actually met out in winnipeg Mm -hmm. when my mom came from england she came over from england And because that's where her mother, like her, her mom, uh, her mom and her came over to Mm -hmm. out and they, uh, then, then they settled out in BC because that's where the roots were anyway, where her mother's roots were originally in BC, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but her mother had moved out to England. Like they were back and forth because her, I guess her, um, my mom's, um, father, um, well mother and father lived in England and they were back and forth. Right. So, but they, uh, I guess uh, my mom had her roots. My mom's mom had her roots in B.C. That's originally, I guess it's easy way to explain. But her father was in England. Like that's where, so I guess they somehow, those two met somewhere, those two met somewhere along the line. And then my mom came along and, and then her, her brother lived up in the Okanagan, up in Armstrong. So okay. I used to spend a lot of time with my mom. We'd go up to Armstrong. It was so cool when I was a kid and go sliding and tobogganing down these, yeah. So uh, anyway, getting back to that is, so I spent a lot of time between my mother and my mom. But my ma- my mother would make me feel very awkward when I was a kid. Uh, when I, I say a kid, I mean young teenager, because I'd go to visit and she said, oh, um, did you go and ask your mother, Brent? Ask your mother if it's okay if you come to buy to visit. Mm-hmm. I, okay, I'll go and ask mom if I can. Well, no, just go and well go and ask Gladys if it's okay. And Gladys was my my mom's name. Everyone's mm-hmm. wondering why I say mom mother. Gladys was my mom's uh my mom's name, and Verna was my biological mother's name. Mm-hmm. So she would say, "Oh, uh, ask 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 Gladys if it's okay." And to me, I mean, you can imagine how I'm feeling going, "Okay, like now you're making me feel uncomfortable because." I just say, well, yeah, mom, is it okay if I can go visit, uh, go and visit, uh, you know, over my mother. Mm-hmm. I think it was my mother that was feeling so uncomfortable because she really couldn't accept the fact that she had given me up for adoption when she was very, very, very young. Like when she was young and then, I mean, I found out years later that, uh, why she did and the reason why she gave me up for adoption was, um, uh, she was going through a battle with my biological father who couldn't accept the fact that I was born, that he didn't want to say that I, he was the father to me. Mm -hmm. And so because of it, there was a friction. And so she just gave, just gave me up. And I think there was a, there was a, uh, a feud between those two. And so Mm -hmm. as I grew up, I kept asking questions, you know, I kept saying, well, to my biological mother, well, who is my father? Why are you asking, Brent? I go, because I'm just wondering. Like I, you know, when I was in school, they people were asking, and my teacher saying, "So who is your father?" And she mm-hmm. says, "You don't need to know that." And I said, "But I want to know that." Like mm-hmm. my my even my mom said, "You should ask your mother one day, who is your father?" Yeah. And then, so I did, and so she wouldn't tell me, and I kept pushing and pushing. And she got pissed off at me. Oh yeah, okay. We're mm. nice My my biological mother and I, we got into a yelling match. She says, Brent, yeah. leave it alone. I go, why are you getting so testy with me? And she goes, He's not a nice man. I go, let me judge for that. I said, if he wants to meet me. Yeah. So she says, Well, so long story short on that is that um <laughs> I was um, uh, and this is going back to oh, the Walmart days. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was at Walmart. And I got home, I got at the home where I called home at the time, it was kind of home, but it still didn't really feel like home because it was just, I don't know, it just didn't seem like home. Like it wasn't, you know, anyway, I got back and, and, um, and Valerie, uh, Sonia knows her, she, she had all these pieces of papers all lined up out in the, in the living room and on the table. And I go, wow, what have you been doing? Oh, uh, well, by the way, because uh, she knew that I, I didn't want to, she was pissed off at my biological mother because mm. she wouldn't say, she just told me to leave it alone. So guess what she was doing? She was doing some homework, digging. She was. Oh. oh, by the way, um, there's a guy that's going to be coming by uh, tomorrow. I hope you're not working. Um, no, actually, I have tomorrow off. That was the tomorrow off. Yeah, I said, but I'm working the next day and uh anyway so that was the the next day was when that the day that i lost my job okay. <laughs> go figure things so yeah it kind of worked out anyway but mm. so anyway i said well what's all this paper it shows you you have a um, gentleman that's going to come by tomorrow he wants to meet you i go um, okay who like you you lost me somewhere here just um your your biological father excuse me i'm like say what i lost it i go what the hell have you been doing why are you doing this? Like you, it's none of your business and you can't be meddling in my life. And she says, well, I figured I'm trying to do you a good thing to, you know, to uh, find out who he is. And mm-hmm. so I was grateful. Like at first, I was like upset and I was grateful going, okay, like, thank you so much. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like she was, cause she knew I wanted to find out more. And like, I had some of the information already there, but she had yeah. actually the initiative and actually took the step forward and made the mm-hmm. call. And then, so what it was that, I found out who who his brother was. I met with his brother first that same mm. day mm. in New Westminster, so I went there and he says, okay, so there's a, apparently a guy that you're gonna be meeting tomorrow, and he's my brother. what? he's my he's my brother. He doesn't want to accept the fact that uh, you are um, <laughs> you are his son. Brent, you have to understand, like you're gonna have to maybe leave it alone, like touch base with him if he wants to stay in contact that's fine it's up to him I was, okay mm-hmm. so and i'm like well he has a new family now and he never told his new family about me mm-hmm. so anyway i met long story short is that guy came by i met him i opened the door and he rang the doorbell ding dong
0: mm-hmm.
1: I was in a basement suite and I, I saw him coming in the driveway he didn't see me first so i thought oh my god so at the door hi he goes, hi i'm looking at him he looks at me it's almost like that part in back to the future where you know, the, the number two where she looks at she looks at, at her younger self and then they look at each other and all said <sighs> yeah, well, and yeah. Then to that point but i looked at him he looked at me and i thought oh my god and then but he denied it though so, you know what i mean and i i left mm-hmm. him alone i said okay like mm-hmm. you know thank you like you know i know you feel like i'm your father but mm-hmm. what do you want from me like he said like i go i don't want anything from you like like, I understand that like, you touch base to get a hold of me. You've been looking for me. I said, well, my biological mother said that she didn't want me to touch to contact you because apparently you're not a nice person. And really, do I seem like not a nice person? I go, no, mm-hmm. you're really cool. So mm-hmm. that was her perception. The reason why is that she didn't want to see me get hurt, apparently, because I guess she was hurting because of you. Mm-hmm. Well, that was between me and her. And he finally admitted he said, yeah, but I still don't know, like, who you are, like, hey, so, what? you didn't have, you didn't conceive, like, like you know, you two didn't conceive to have me uh, as, as your child, like, so he finally admitted, like, um like, another year later, like, he admitted to me, like, he phoned me, and he said, hey, like, yeah, but can you please, like, I, I'm i your father, but can you please just don't meddle in my life, and, you yeah, know, mm-hmm. So I phoned up and this one young guy answered the phone, you guys, and oh, my gosh. And it was his son. Mm-hmm. It was his son. And I phoned up. I said, yeah. So I asked for I asked the father. And then he goes, hello. And I go, hello. Mm-hmm. And I, I can mimic. It's neat because I I, have, I I don't know why, what it is, but I've got a talent where I can mimic voices and say I can imitate people. I guess it's some one of uh, my traits I have. I hear, mm-hmm. hello, hello. Uh, who's this? And I go, uh, this is Brent. Uh, okay. Um, is there like an echo on the phone? I go, I don't know. I, I'm just phoning you. I want to speak to your father. He goes, excuse me? I want to speak to your father. He goes, who's this? I go, who's this? And like the voice, like it was like, and I'm thinking, oh my God, like you yeah. hear my voice. It sounded like it was amplifying on the phone. And he goes, hang on for a sec. he's screaming goes i don't know what's going on here there's some guy on the phone he's like freaking me out it sounds like it sounds like i'm echoing on the phone he goes hang on i'll take the other line yeah i'll just take the line hang on hello he goes you can hang up the phone now and he didn't hang up the phone like i could Mm. still hear the other phone off right he Mm. goes hello i go hi it's brent how's it going oh hello how are you i'm like wonderful thanks he goes well, I'm glad that your life is wonderful. My my life is a living hell. I've now got my son asking me questions. I've got my wife asking me freaking questions. Can you please just stay out of our lives? I go, look, I don't yeah. want anything. He goes, what do you want? I go, I don't want anything from you. I just want to know who you were. Mm-hmm. Not going to ask questions of saying like, why you know, why did you abandon me or this and that. I said, I just want to know who you were. Just some because for you know, hereditary.
0: Mm-hmm. And he yeah, goes, okay. and yeah
2: and and i mean i've told you before that my first wife was adopted as well right yeah um she was uh she was born to uh jewish parents and the and the father um my wife's father was always uh the birth father was always very um you know very supportive of everything in fact when when their marriage fell apart and was having problems uh, he was the one that was wanting to uh wanting to take Elena, al- al- alone by himself but mm-hmm. uh he he did ultimately he didn't decide to do that and he kind of you know the last time i've you know talked to him and and Ilana used to talk to him he does regret re- regret that decision actually but it's funny because um you know you're you're right about adoptive uh adopted uh kids wanting to know about their history right because oh that that was a big big thing with with elena and so she finally met her her biological mother and um you know and and elena was always very shoot from the hip she always like very honest very blunt she she wanted to know like truth right and so she she never really it's like she's just like point blank it's like um so so she said to her mom, like, now that you know that now that you've seen me and you know um you know who I am, um do you regret your decision? And uh and she's like she's like, no, absolutely, absolutely not. And mm-hmm. of course that really stung, you know. That really, oh, really like stung. It. And and because uh, this is the this is the very first time. That she's meeting her mom Mm -hmm. and it was like the first and only time (laughs) you know it was like Uh. one-time deal first and only time and i i wasn't uh elena's husband yet like it was it was about a year before i hooked up with her actually elena and she 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 would always like relay this story about her meeting her mom for the first time her biological mom and it just for her that that her mom was not remorseful at all like she's she's like no i'm i'm happy with the the, the decision i made i don't i don't regret it at all and you like you gotta be kidding me it just it really really stung you know oh yeah Um, but 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 having said that though and i know i I know again it's it's your show Yeah, yeah, yeah i i just wanted to say that uh having said that i mean you know things work out sometimes for the better in the sense that yeah. i mean elina was adopted to amazing 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 uh, dutch um parents uh like her 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 parents that she was adopted to i always i always said that even though there was really um no you know physical resemblance necessarily they just like it just felt like like they were her physical physical parents you understand? Yeah. like you know you know no. what I
1: mean? you know what i mean like oh totally yeah That's phys- phys- the physically like- they
2: oh. were her like uh, like as an outsider coming in and and getting to know her parents i'm going like i i'm i'm going to her like these are your parents these are your physical parents they are they are the ones and i mean you know and if if she wasn't adopted, I would I would have never have uh, met Elena. Like her life would have been completely different. My there's, life would have been completely different.
1: Yeah, there's so, this like, way, Things yeah. happen for reasons. So, yeah.
2: so so things like do this and and weave and Bob and you know and you just kind of life is like that. And yeah. life life is on like has the deliberate past, You know, and and like I said, oh, yeah. not, nothing is accidental. So so your life is the way it was meant to be. And, and my life was meant the way. It was meant to be. And, and my previous wife, even though that she's in heaven now, um, you know, she lived life to the fullest and her life was the way it was meant to be too. So
1: there's reasons. Uh, and that's one thing I've come to realize in life, there's reasons why things happen for reasons. um, You know, and I'm like, I'm grateful um, to have known my mom. Um, and, so I would always stay in contact with uh, with my mother, right? Uh, because then I would say, you know, she says, "Oh, I miss your, I miss your mum, Brent. I miss." And and at that time, she actually finally started saying, "I miss your mom, Brent." And I thought, mm-hmm. I said, "Thank you." Like I'd say <clears throat> to my biological mother, I said, "Thank you." Like, thank you for saying that. And I then I then felt very comfortable explaining to her why, like why I'm thanking her, and she was why, like, and then I said, because you used to call my mum. By her name, which is fine, which is mm-hmm. fine. But mm-hmm. you used to say, when I would say, mom, you'd say, well, you would say her name. And like, uh, and she was because I felt very uncomfortable, I could never seem to always accept the fact that over that many years, I go, why? Why was that just because I never wanted to give you up, but I felt I had no choice at the time. I go, right. And then I, and then I, I waited for that opportunity because she didn't know that I knew i said right i guess that's the time that you um you tried fighting my mom in court to try and get custody of me just mm. how do you know that like she was mm. twisting things in the way that I, I was waiting for that opportunity right and mm-hmm. she was you weren't supposed to know that i go my mom wanted me to to know that as i grew up i said and I, she waited till my mom and my dad had separated she waited till there was vulnerability and to mm. see and uh, she tried testing it in court to see if my mom was stable enough to, even though know, she was single mother bringing mm-hmm. me up,
0: mm-hmm. but you
1: wanted to see if she could actually get custody of me, a custom custody battle. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Oh my God. Like, and I, I heard about that many years later and I thought, and I, you know, I forgave her. Like I heard, I would talk like I always stayed in contact and God rest her soul too, because she passed away in 2015. Mm-hmm. So people go, Oh my gosh, she lost two mothers. I go, yeah, I lost my mm-hmm. mom in 2006, but I lost my mother in August of 2015 mm. um, and I was living I was living in downtown Langley at the time and Sonia remembers that yeah I remember that we were yeah we were watching We were watching tv or something and yeah. I got a phone call from my my aunt had told me that uh that her uh, her sister passed away that my mom my mother passed away mm. and I thought mm. oh my god here I'm going and going through this again you know what I mean but mm. but Nothing against my mother, everybody listening. Like, I I want everyone to understand. Like, I was like, oh, my God, like, not again. It just, it didn't feel like I had the emotions there of the loss of my mother. I really had the loss of my mom because mm-hmm. that's who I grew up with. And mm-hmm. I, I, I was still very upset. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, You know, someone said, like, oh, my God, friend, how could you say that? Like, how could you not feel the emotion of the loss? I did. I really hurt me. Like, it really set home because I would because after I lost my mom, I was still able to talk to my mother about how I felt what I was going through. Um, my, mo- my mother would phone me up while she was going through her term terminal illness. Um, and I I was t- able to talk to her a lot. Um, and she kept telling me, I'm sorry, Brent, I don't I didn't mean to put you through hell through life. And I, I said, Do you have any regrets? And I said, I know you're I know you're dying, mom. And I called her, I she finally called her mom. I said, I know you're dying. She says, I didn't mean to put your mom, your mom through a custody battle when you were younger. I said, Do you have regrets? She goes, I do. I shouldn't have never done that. I didn't mean mm-hmm. to hurt you. And I said, But you did though. Like I, you know, and I her and I would talk on the phone. Like I said, but you did though. You did hurt me. Like mm-hmm. you know, and I remember things when my dad, like my, after my mom told him to leave, like he used to throw beer bottles at my mom. I'd be told to go to my room, like to you know be safe in a safe spot. But when my mom, my mother got to hear about that, that's when she started rocking the boat, right? But you know, God rest them. They're both their souls, right? They because they both were really good friends. As mm-hmm. I grew, as I grew up, um, they would come by for lunch. They would. He would come and take my mom and me out for lunch. Like okay. it was so cool. Yeah. But anyway, I just wanted everyone to understand that this is the origin of where I where I grew up in Langley. That's what mm-hmm. I know as my hometown. So when I talk about Langley so much, it's what I knew. I moved to Surrey. Uh and yeah, you know, I moved before then. I moved to Kamloops. <laughs> I moved mm-hmm. to Surrey. Uh then I moved out to you now from Langley again. I moved to Nanaimo, <laughs> Sonia, uh, after we got chased out by bedbugs, so we ended up losing our place. We moved, had to stay in a, in a hotel, almost like uh, the um, uh, witch, uh, witchcraft, eh? what witchcraft is going through. Not exactly, because witchcraft is actually homeless right now, mm. but we when should, people say they're say homeless.
2: That, we should say that's the Twitter name of somebody.
1: That's a Twitter name of someone right now. Her name's going as yeah. witchcraft she's homeless. Uh, she was able to stay in a motel. for me and, and, uh, and Sonia, thank gosh, we were able to stay at a, at a hotel at a time where I was able to get a really good deal with the manager. Uh, he struck me a really good deal, flat rate, small rate every day. I got free breakfast. I mean, why not? Right? It was part of, part of the hotel. So I still was able to get that. But it wasn't my home. I, I lost my address. Uh, I had no fixed address. Um, quickly, we had to make a quick decision. I was playing around for places to rent. Corporate landlords were saying, no, no, your income's not high enough. My income's not high enough. No, I had to be making $4,500 a month.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I so fast forward, um, yeah, that kept going on. So we moved to Nanaimo we found some places there it just it just to Sonia and myself, It didn't feel like home. She didn't really I mean, she grew up out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really wasn't home to her. She always knew Langley as a home because her grandparents and her dad used to fly out to Langley Airport when her dad had a plane had his own company. So mm-hmm. apparently, yeah, ironically, yeah, and I'm, I probably bumped into her many years ago and didn't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, and so anyway, she was called Langley as, as her as her place that she wanted to be. We found a place, Neil, and I, I used to talk about this on my podcast. I got about 15 minutes and then we'll end the segment here. But okay. um, uh, so, you know, I used to talk about Langley a lot in the podcast and I'd say, well, Langley is my hometown, which it is. Um, but we moved to a nice place. Right. Uh, and I said that in that one segment I did when I, I did a. Uh, coffee time. It was almost like a breaking with Brent. Coffee yeah. time. Yeah, a place and to I,
2: be. Langley is the to place be. to be. And
1: and, and yeah. I and I lost it on there. Like, but you know, it's funny. A yeah. plane flew by right at the time. And I, and I and I would say about that. And I went to the um the MLA in Langley not too long ago. We were out there mm-hmm. about, and I did the uh, breaking with Brent segment, and we we went and saw the MLA, and I told him, I said like. This is place that we we want to we want to be back at, and he's like, well, yeah, it is Langley's the place to be. I said, right. So he we said, well, go and talk to the housing minister. Well, we did. We told him we talked did talk to the housing minister, and we said, well, it's where we want to be. And huh, ironically, the housing minister is the one who we wanted to come onto the show, but unfortunately, the housing minister is not able to come onto the show. I'm not sure why. Well, I'm still- I'm still
2: looking into. Uh, getting them to do that Um, yeah I think it'd be awesome I I I think it is still possible because I I I reached out again when I got the no I said well just so you know that uh, Brent is very passionate about housing and I I, 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 and I, I do think it would be a wonderful opportunity for the minister to come on and and I got got a more positive response Back. so I'm, okay. I I'm still gonna have, get my feelers out and try again yeah
1: I, I think I think it'd be wonderful to have uh um, have the minister join us on on the show because then uh, he could you know talk about the different types of housing and and what's kind of what's you know what's going on in the housing market uh, I mean just so Pwd have a better understanding of, of where things are are at I mean and, and you know all the ministries are interconnected right I mean if you don't have the resources you don't have the housing if you don't mm-hmm. have the housing, that affects your health. That affects mm-hmm. your health, and puts strain on the healthcare system. So it's all interconnected. Mm-hmm. So having his perspective would be awesome. So getting back to about the housing that I had is that uh, I, I and I told the minister at the time that uh, we had the housing. We had a beautiful place, I saw it getting built. Sonny mm-hmm. goes, wouldn't that be nice if we could live in this, that brand new place getting built? And I said, well, wow, yeah, right. Yeah, good luck with that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we would never qualify for something like that. But they weren't one of the corporate landlords that was judging people. If you could pay your rent, that's all they cared about. You paid your rent as long as you could pay your rent, and then you still got enough, you know, enough left that you could live, no problem. Like a, they mm. didn't, they weren't judgmental. Talked to the security guy all the time because they'd have it all fenced off, and he could throw around. I would love one one of these days, sir. I'd love to live there. Go and apply. Go and apply. He says, go and apply. He says, apply, apply. Okay, yeah. mm. here's a business card. Uh Gave me the business card one day and I said, actually give it to Sonia. Sonia hung on to the business card. And one day she said, you know what? I think we should call this number. I go, I'm not gonna get in that place. We wouldn't qualify. They probably want a lot of money to get in there. just how do you know unless we we don't get them a call? Well we were living in a we were living in an apartment building on 203rd Street and 50, what was that, 54th Avenue? Or 53rd, 53rd mm-hmm. Avenue. And the place was badly infested with uh, mold, mildew. Uh, People were doing drugs underneath uh, our unit uh, around. Like it was circulating all around. They deliberately put us in the wrong unit. The unit, what we wanted was further down the building, but it wasn't available. So they said, here, we got this unit. It was a setup. Anyway, they wanted to flip it over, right? Mm -hmm. We toughed it out. We kept applying around while we were still living there. And I didn't know about this liquid damages clause thing. Uh, yeah. Now yeah, we found out the hard way at the new place. But um, yeah. Yeah. Liquid damages, everyone, just so you know, it's a terminology. It's like breaking a lease agreement, it's like break, breaking a, a cell phone agreement or your cable company agreement. You've got to pay out rather than a der- little bit every month. They want lump sum. Okay. That's what liquid damages clause is. I didn't know anything about that. But anyway, we topped it out at the place, the old place that we lived at. Uh, we applied out in Chilliwack, and they wouldn't even give us a place out there. Probably a good thing that we didn't take the one place. Eh, one lady she passed away inside the uh, building, and they uh, said that she she had to um, get relocated to another place. But the unit was available, so I'm glad I didn't mm. take that place. And she kept saying like, "Why, why, Sonia? Why don't you want this unit?" She goes, "Cause I I just I just want to get out of here." And I yeah while we were covering our mouth up, so we like, oh, 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 oh. Was, I covered my mouth up, and she goes, what mm. do you think? I'm like, oh, 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 oh. like mm. let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. So she goes, well, you want time to think? And so, yeah, we found that out. And No thanks. Mm. Hey, it was only $900 a month. It was mm. only 900 bucks a month. I mean, wow, hey, that would have been a great deal. Yeah. Still more than PWD's check, though. I mean, uh, I mean, the shelter portion, but still, it was, so uh, long story short, so we got the new place. The COVID supplement was in place, 300 bucks, uh, NewsHour interviewed us and said, Hey, um, what would happen if we, if the government took that away? You know, well, we would have to move. It would change our whole life. I couldn't buy healthy food. I couldn't go and buy uh, some necessity things I need. I said, I would love to go and try and buy a, um, an iPad or, or maybe a, a, a tablet, you know, for myself to enlarge print you know, for uh, as an extension onto for my disability onto for myself. Like there's things that I would need to buy or maybe save up and I could maybe go somewhere. Like it would change my whole life in so many ways. So like positive, 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 right? Mm-hmm. The government at the time said, hey, we're gonna claw this off. We're gonna take get rid of half of it. We had a meeting with the um I can now say it now. We had a meeting uh with with the uh premier at the time. And he had said, well, he'll keep advocating to bring it back, right? At that time, I didn't realize that it was actually in a report. It was actually a report that was to be submitted. At that time, it wasn't submitted. It's now in a report that states one of the top recommendations to bring it back was in there of restoring the $300 supplement. Mm -hmm. And it's still there. It's in there January 28th of 2021. If anyone wants to pull it up, look under Just do a search on uh, Twitter for it under BC poverty reduction and look for a COVID supplement. You'll, you'll find the link. I'll post it out anyway, again, just to remind Mm -hmm. them that, Hey, I haven't forgotten that you need to restore it
0: Mm -hmm. because it
1: affected our lives. Why? Because I went to the ministry when we applied for this new place that we had, they said, we need to, the manager said, one of the criteria, we need to have your income to show that that you can afford to rent here. We were paying $1,510. And so basically yeah like we could afford to live there yes it was a little bit more than what we were paying at our older place but we said we'd rather pay a little bit more to have a brand new place dignity respect autonomy making decisions for ourselves and the manager was cool with that like she was cool she said yeah hey you know um i went to the ministry and they said this is a printout given to landlords going forward rent this is the amount the new amount going forward fifteen hundred and fifteen dollars going forward this is your new amount well, fast forward, guess what the new amount is. <laughs> yeah. We lost our place because if we would have had that amount, we would have still been living where we were living.
2: Yeah, if everything had stayed the same, you would you wouldn't have had to move. Yeah.
1: But we got pushed into another unit in our building because the land the, land, the manager at the time, they had an alternative uh situation they were doing. They cleared the up two floors of people. They wanted to the turn over. So we had a choice of getting another unit of $1,775. We couldn't afford that. We tried, we winged it. We gave our notice and without even finding a place like we were that desperate to get out of there because we couldn't afford it because the government had taken it away. And we said we couldn't afford to live here. We figured for sure, we're gonna find a place to live. But then no, corporate landlords were playing games and saying that you've got to be making no less than four, uh 5000 or $4,500 in equivalent they said that you know uh, your government should be giving you no less than two thousand dollars a month to live i said well, no way the government's going to do that like there's just no way mm-hmm. so that's what happened we had to revoke our tenancy our notice and then uh, thank gosh they didn't uh, rent it out at the time so we had to revoke it then we finally realized we tucked it out for like months and then we said well you know what we're gonna have to give her notice and we did find a place. Sonia found the place actually out here in Victoria. I had made piles of phone calls and I talked to other landlords. I told them our situation. And they said, you'll, you'll find something out here. And I said, I think Sonia might've found something and they knew the other landlord knew about this place. They said, yeah, that's a good place. That's, that's one of the, you know, one of the better places. So mm-hmm. we found it, we went and saw it and I phoned up. They had the telephone outage at the time the whole network was down. So I just keep phoning, keep phoning. we got to get this place. And I go, I can't get through. Like, there's no dial tone. So I kept trying. And then she says, I said, I'll try one more time. And if not, I'll have to try again later on or tomorrow. So I tried one more time, but I phoned. The phone rang. The latest lady answered. She goes, you know, from where we're living now, in the, their head office. And she goes, I hears, oh, my God, my phone actually rings." She goes, hello? I'm like, um, hello? <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. And she goes, oh, is somebody there? I go, yeah, I'm here. She goes, oh, okay, I'm not hearing things. And she goes, can I help you? I go, oh, yeah, I've been trying to phone this number all day and I, I can't get through, like, no tone." And I heard this also about all circuits are busy now. And she goes, yeah, we've been having phone problems. Can I help you? I go, oh. She goes, you're the first call of the day. First call of the day. She goes, yeah, our phone system's been down. She goes, what can I help you with? I said, I'm looking for a place to live. Oh, okay most people are looking for a place to live sir huh <laughs> um mm. yeah I mean that's what it's called it's called putting a roof over your head she was actually kind of comical to me so she's okay bring your check bring your bring your first uh bring your first month's damage deposit and a and uh and uh and uh your rent for the first month out and your references and what we'll see so came out made the appointment came out came out here a day sooner so we could check out the hood. Right? Yeah, I just want to make sure about this, eh? hmm So I checked it out, Yeah, it's fine. Met up 15 minutes later, we met with the manager. I think it was the lady I talked to on the phone. No, it was a, it was a manager, different one. Oh, who are you? <laughs> anyway, she showed us around. She says, have a seat outside the door and they have a little bench outside our door. So I have a seat up there. 15 minutes later, she goes back, she goes, uh, you and Sonya have the place. 15 minutes later mm-hmm. i've never in my life experienced that before like wow yeah
0: that's cool.
1: she knew because she phoned our, our manager and our manager did not want us to move mm-hmm. she wanted us to be happy from Langley, but she mm-hmm. yeah and so i phoned her i was so excited and, and normally you don't phone up your previous manager or like or, or where you're actually living and saying mm-hmm. hey by the way so and so called you didn't they yeah mm-hmm. so they were both excited for for us on both ends like Mm -hmm. and because they wanted us to be happy they knew we weren't going to be happy living in victoria happy going there as a tourist to visit it yes to live here no we've adapted Mm -hmm. for now everybody watching this listening um is it our home no do you how long are we going to be living here i don't know could be here another year i don't know if i had my way i'd be in langley right now sonia knows that too she mm-hmm. keeps looking at ads all the time, reminding me, well, such and such place, you know that one, yeah. Uh, how much is it now? Uh, $1,800 to $1,875, uh, over $2,000. I go, Sonia, the checks won't do it, do it. I said, the government won't raise their income. Mm-hmm. And that's my point, everybody. I want to make sure that the government needs to listen to the advocates, don't listen to your stakeholders. Don't listen to your gatekeepers, okay? Listen to the advocates, listen to the lived experience recipients who are disabled, low-income disabled people. Yes, some people are very fortunate that they have other income that they can actually supplement. That's great, that's great if you can do that. If you can't, the government has a legal responsibility to taking care of its citizens in this Mm -hmm. province and in uh, in, in every other province in this country. Nobody should be living in poverty. There's collective wealth in this country. It's the corporate landlords, and and you know Jeff Jeff Leggett posted about just recently. Go look up uh, his tweets on that. He makes a very good valid point. There's billionaires, millionaires making almost over equal or just above one of over 1.5 million disabled. He made a point just yeah just today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think there's 1.6 or 1.7 million people mm-hmm. that are that are actually millionaires imagine taking some of that money off and giving back to the disabled people those millionaires they could use it as a tax write-off they're going to get that money back anyway they don't even see they, already,
2: they already get tax write-offs right exactly
1: they don't even pay, <laughs> don't even pay taxes in this country yeah. so anyway give it back i mean it's, a, it's an income uh, inequality and i think mm-hmm. it, it just needs to be uh, re- revamped uh, these programs are not working for people um, the government knows it. We know it. They know it. Um, computer systems been broken for since 2002. It's going to take, you know, it's 20 years old It can't handle big increases. It needs more hamsters in the yeah, wheels. I, I don't, yeah, and I don't believe it. I don't believe that. I, I mean, you know, that's just that's uh. like telling people that they dismantled the bus pass program, right?
2: Oh, anyway yeah. you've had you you're kind of you. getting up to your mic drop mo- mic drop moment there brent and we've been on for we've been on for almost two and a half hours so this is, this is the not, longest not that, that I- not that i want to kick you off of your own show but then I'm, I'm basically oh, please, kicking, yes, i'm yes. basically kicking <laughs> you off of your own show
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to yeah. go brent Fred, stop there. Stop. stop.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, thank, thanks, uh, Neil, for, um, you know, for doing this uh, segment with me. Um mm-hmm. mm-hmm. thank fun. you for you know, tuning in listening to Brent's long spiel. Of it his... was good, though. It was, I mean, it yeah. was lo- long, but I mean, at some point it has to end. So I, I just have...
2: wanted to, I just wanted to, like, cut it off. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's you know, one of the funny moments, too, is like, cut it, cut <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, and, and anyone who wants to hear more like um, listen to the my podcast because I will be kind of bringing up little bits as I go along. Um, and then I kind of look at past experience based on current circumstances. And that's why I bring on guests to talk about these things, too, because everyone has a lot of similarities of what they're going through. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Um, and again, I, I say this on every podcast subscribe click share
2: like us please and like
1: us and if you're on twitter <laughs> retweet it as long as elon musk is allowing that to keep happening um you know and then stay tuned to our, our um upcoming episode where uh i'll be launching and talking about our new added feature i know i talk about it a lot but i'm looking into uh, a few things about our uh phone
2: in program so yeah we we've got a new outro that i'm we're we're gonna oh. uh, we're gonna unveil oh. a
1: new a new outro song
2: today oh i'm looking for the, forward the, to. the one that we the one that we kind of uh played for a little bit uh on yesterday's show yeah, yeah. That brought, uh you know jake brought, brought up the phone and played a little bit i'm yep. going to be playing that outro uh as we leave today
1: right on So there yeah. you go and uh that sounds really awesome and our, our next guest is actually on Monday. Uh, our next guest is on Monday, so uh, that will Sheila
2: be Malcolmson, the Honourable Honourable Sheila.
1: Honorable mm-hmm. Sheila Malcolmson, MLA for for Nanaimo. So, and we, uh,
2: and we promise there'll be no darts thrown. There'll be no darts. No thrown. Darts. No darts. Nope. Yeah. No, I, only I, at the dark. only at the policy, not directed at her. We and, we're, we are very we are very harmless
1: our yeah. people Oh, <laughs> well, exactly and you know and that's it's all about policy you know it's all, it about, the
0: all yeah, about the policy it doesn't
1: matter which, which government it is it's on but it's on who wants to keep that policy in place right yeah. who wants to change it and that's that's what needs to change it's who wants to change it yeah interesting show coming up on uh, on monday uh it we'll will be report.
2: i'll be advertising
1: that's, it out soon yeah awesome hey anyway, anyway, thanks, thanks for, everyone thanks for, for tuning in, in and and yeah. nothing to me ramble on and
0: print <laughs> Here comes the cane
1: here comes the cane now.
0: <laughs> Bye,